All right. Well, welcome everybody. Um, my name is Tyler. I know quite a few of you. Some of you have actually heard this lecture before, or a version of this lecture, um, in either the Tantra instructor training or the internal TTC or the 200-hour TTC. Um, I give sort of a presentation on my past experiences uh, in the business world, and then I lend just a couple ideas on how you guys essentially is can be thought about as independent contractors at this moment, can go out in the world and market yourself. Um, I like to think, though, that this lecture goes a little bit beyond just going out and marketing yourself, however. Uh, it's sort of a comprehensive sort of business 101 class. Um, I, I, I think you can kind of kind of look at it. Um, I talk about you know, how to negotiate contracts, how to build strategic partnerships, how to define your marketplace, how to define your consumer, how to price your products, um, all sorts of stuff. And so for me, sort of my style on talking or lecturing is if at any point anyone has any questions, uh, raise your hand and ask. Um, for me personally, I've never, I've never done, I've never been a public speaker, I've never lectured, I've never done any of these things, like starting with a gamma. Uh, at the beginning of this year, I was asked to present to the 200 hour TTC and I was like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> it's like the most awkward sounding thing in the world. And so, um, for me, like, I love having discussions about this stuff. Like, I love business. I'll get into my background here in a few moments. Um, but this sort of stuff, like, really excites me. Um, and so, again, like, I love open dialogue. Uh, at the end of the presentation, we'll have question and answer, of course. But if anything comes up at any point, uh, please don't hesitate to ask, you know? Like, you know, if something pops in your mind and you're like, oh, when is it a good time to monetize my blog? Or when is it a good time to you know, reach out to that clothing manufacturer and see if we can strike a deal. Like, anything like that, like, if it comes up, just, you know, if you feel like it's in the right in the right moment, don't hesitate to ask. You know, please, I welcome that sort of thing. Um, and so, I suppose I will start with a bit of my personal background, and then we'll start rolling through the through the slides here. Um, and also, as you notice, I, I uh, passed around some some handouts that I made. Um, I think there's, like, some of the pages got printed wrong, like, uh, there's, in a couple of them, there's, like, a duplicate page, uh, making handout presentation packets isn't necessarily my strong suit in life, um, but I did my best this morning. Uh, in one place, I actually spotted the word Tantra, so I apologize for that. Um, just replace that with therapeutic yoga teacher. Um, and I think it's only in a couple of them. Um, but, uh. But yeah, so again, with the handouts, um, you know, it's not me necessarily meant to be, you know, a, a document that you feverishly take notes while we're talking. However, it's a tremendous tool that if something pops in your mind, especially, you know, at the back end of Gian's beautiful uh, pranuchara meditation and then guided sort of visioning, you know, if those like little things pop in your mind about, oh, wow, this is one of my, you know, core characteristics or this is a strength or wow, I should send an email to this person when I get home, or like as soon as I'm done with this this lecture, like just write it down um, on, on this document. Uh, this document is sort of, you know, just meant to be a guide for putting together your professional self on the back end of essentially this TYTTC course. 
Um, so, again, uh, I'll just talk a little bit about, you know, my background. Um, last September, so a year ago, September, uh, I went to Rishikesh, Agama Rishikesh. Um, I was just going to go for a month, actually. I was going to go do level one. Uh, one of my lifelong dear friends is, uh, life, she's been, she's been with Agama for a very long time. She's one of the senior teachers here. And her brother is one of my best friends back home. And back home, I own a, a pretty big production company. I own an event company. We do uh, media for uh, certain industries, and uh, we do a lot of you know a lot of really big events and big things. And anyways, uh, last summer I was going through a pretty crazy time. I was throwing a lot of big parties and a lot, a lot of big concerts and producing some big events, and I was just starting to like lose my mind. And I've always uh, practiced yoga pretty you know pretty pretty strictly back home. And my my friend who's uh, uh, the, the teacher's brother was said that I just needed to get out of Colorado. I'm from the states and from from Colorado. And my my friend was like, "You need to get out of here. Just go to go to Agama. Go do some yoga for a month." And I was like, "Okay." So I left, bought a one way ticket to to Rishikesh, and I'm still here. And that was 15 months ago. Um, I ended up staying in Rishikesh for about three months. Um, I started helping Agama with some just Karma Yoga is helping them hang up posters. Um, I ended up rebuilding their website, uh, the Agama India website. I rebuilt the site, published it, started doing a lot of really cool things for Agama and just really started falling in love with the school and the teachings because with my background in the West, I'd always done, you know, Western things that are more popular in the West, you know, vinyasa and ashtanga and these things. Um, so I'd never really developed a Hatha practice, but what I noticed when I got to Agama in India was, you know, this, this, beautiful Hatha style that was being taught, like, it just complimented me in so many different ways, like how to move energies and how to perceive energies. And then I was applying the things I was learning into different areas of my life. And I just fell in love with it. And uh, after a few months of being in Rishikesh, I was asked to come to the school and um, be the, the sales and marketing director. And I said, of course, like I couldn't imagine really doing anything else. Um, and so, and so here I am. Um, Back home, again, my sort of business background is uh, when I was in my mid-20s, I opened a restaurant in Denver. I started out in the restaurant industry when I was pretty young. Um, I opened a restaurant, and then about two years later, I opened a second one. And then I, from that, sort of built a consulting company, and I started consulting on the startups of restaurants, and then nightclubs, and that just just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger, and that moved into my media company. So anyways, I was just telling you a bit of, you know, context as to, you know, sort of why I'm here talking to you. Um, in my lecture, I'm just, again, like I said, I'm just going to share some things that I've learned along the way for about 10 years of being a business owner. Um, just some things that have helped me in building myself and networking and, 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 you know, all the things that have made sort of my ventures successful. I'm not really going to share any, like, crazy esoteric, like, you know, business philosophies or anything like this. Um, pretty much everything I'm going to say is it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Um, it's pretty common sense, as you'll as you'll see. Um, I like to you know keep things pretty simple. And so we'll just dive right into it. Um, and I also just want to say, like, this even though public speaking is like the most terrifying thing for me in the world. Um, I love this. Like, this is 
it's it's so funny like the duality because like it's it scares the hell out of me but like it's my favorite part about my job like i love like talking to the ttc students like i love helping people who choose to invest in themselves and that's exactly what you guys have done like you guys are making the choice to invest in yourself and take yourself out in the world and offer something and like that to me is just like it's extraordinary to be a part of and so thank you for allowing me to be a part of that because it just you know it just it, it i love it i absolutely love it um I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but uh, upon graduation of the TYTTC, you're going to get a huge marketing kit that I put together for you guys. Um, I'll go over exactly here in a moment what's in the marketing kit, um, but as one of the things that you guys get upon graduation as well is access to me. <laughs> and so if at any time, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, well, <laughs> yeah, it is that kind of place. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I don't think my email address, I don't think I, I, I put it in the, the presentation, um, but at any time, if you guys, after you graduate, or even right now, like, in the course, like, if there's something that comes up about, um, you know, you were thinking about opening up in this market, and you're kind of curious about how to position yourself, or how you should enter, some steps that you should take before you enter the marketplace in order to gain brand awareness, any of this type of thing, like, shoot me an email at any time. Like, um, you know, it's, it is what it is, but I've helped a lot of people, like, after graduating the TTC up to this point, and just sort of them, like, figuring out, like, where do they fit? Um, you know, where do they fit in when they get out in the world and start trying to, you know, uh, create something for themselves? Uh, I'm so happy that, that Guillen led that, that wonderful sort of visioning session because one of the very first things I talk about in the lecture is, you know, where do you see yourself? What are your goals? What are, what's the vision of yourself? What's the difference between goals and vision? So, um, so again, like just, you know, send me an email at any time. Um, I might not get back to it immediately because I am very, very busy. Um, but I will absolutely get back to it. So, all right. So again, just a quick overview. I'm going to talk about sort of visioning, um, creating a brand around yourself, your personal value proposition. I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff today. Um, like I said, it's pretty, it's pretty comprehensive what we go through. Um, defining your actual product that you're going to take out into the world, right? So as Guillen was saying, during your guys' course thus far, you've, um, you know, you, you've dealt with uh, digestion, you've dealt with, um, obviously I haven't been in the course and so I can't speak to this, you know, the particulars, but, um, um, you know, you've, you've dealt with different, you know, um, aspects of biology and, 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 you know, skeletal systems and these things. Um, and so maybe already in your mind, you're already starting to, to, to think, okay, my niche might be working, you know, on digestion and, 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 and you know, building a, a practice. And when I say a practice, like a, like a, um, a location, um, not necessarily a personal practice, but like your, your health practice, right? Building that around helping certain a certain demographic of people with digestion through the aid of yoga, right? So we'll talk about sort of how you can start to brainstorm around what your unique or niche, some people call it a niche product, because that's sort of when you set yourself up for the most success is what I found, is when you have a unique sort of angle that no one else is serving in a marketplace, but you can see that there's a need for it, right? So a unique product. When you, when you, what I've noticed is when you tend to cast a really wide net and you try to capture it all, that can work, but it's like, well, what do you really do, though? What do you do really well? 
You know, and so what I've found in the past is, especially when you're starting out, you're first starting to sort of position yourself and establish yourself as a professional and as the thought leader, you know, um, I recommend, and, and again, everything that I talk about right now, it's all just recommendations. It's all things that I've experienced in my past as being helpful in building myself, right? And so, you know, the more focused you can be from the beginning, the better, because you're going to become known as an expert if you, you know, go through the right steps and the right motions. You're going to become known as an expert in that field. People will come to you for that. And from there, from that point, you can start to expand into other areas, into other things, right? Especially through the use of strategic partnerships, which I'll talk about here in a moment, um, which is huge for TYTTC grads, in my opinion. Um, you know, if you're, if, if you're a yoga therapist and you partner with a um, chiropractor, right, or someone who's a specialist in their field, you specialize in your field, you guys can get together and just create magic, right? And so I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a moment, sort of how to, you know, how to knock down some of those barriers to entry on how to get in and talk to a doctor, how to get in and talk to a nurse, how to talk to a chiropractor and these things. Um, so, again, we'll talk a little bit about sort of starting to think about what your, your product could be and how you could start to roll that out into a specific marketplace. Uh, we'll... We'll talk about a marketplace and exactly what that is. You know, what's the definition of a marketplace? Uh, we'll talk about the consumers. What's your target consumer? Again, what we're trying to do is just focus, 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 start to distill down so you can sort of have it crystallized. This is my product. This is my market. These are my target consumers. And once you start to wrap your mind around that, combine that with starting to build a brand around either yourself or around, if you, it just depends on what you want to do. If you want to start a personal practice, if you want to start your own center, if you just want to be an independent contractor and just do drop-in uh, classes into yoga studios and you just give a therapeutic yoga class, those are all wonderful things. But again, like starting to identify exactly what, what niche, what void you want to fill, like now's the beautiful time to, you know, to, to start doing that. Um, we'll talk about setting your price. Um, you know, how, how do you price your product? How do you price, how do you put a value on yourself? Like, this is a big aha moment uh, in business when you, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I know I can do it. I've got my product. I've got a, I've written a business plan. I've done it all. And then it comes time to, like, actually putting a monetary value on your services. And then you go out and you try to secure a client. Or maybe the client comes to you because they heard, oh, wow, there's this new person in town that's, you know, going to be offering this this new sort of form of form of yoga and we think it's going to be a hit they reach out to you and they're like hey do you want to come be a part of what we're doing and you're like yeah of course and you write up a, a you know a proposal and then it's like okay you add up the hours and you add up the products and then you come down to the bottom line and it's like oh what's my value and then you know it's an awkward moment it really really is because you know it's 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 tough to put a value on yourself and sort of detach that from your professional self, um, and not let the two get not let the two get blended. And so we'll talk about that here in a moment. Sort of pricing, creating value around what you're offering. Uh, we'll talk about an actual marketing strategy, right? So we'll talk about sort of the things you want to think about when you actually get out into the world and start marketing. What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve by creating a marketing plan for yourself or for your efforts? Uh, we'll talk about networking, um, the power of networking, um, and encompassed within networking is one of the things that I feel is probably the most valuable tool in 
business and its strategic partnerships. Um, I talk about this a lot, and especially with my work in Agama and then in my work back home with my other companies. Um, you know, it's one of the best ways you could possibly market yourself without spending any money. Partnering with someone else, you guys join forces, then your brand or you, your product, gains exposure into their audience, right? And all you guys did was partner, cross promotion. Very, very powerful. Um, but again, it all starts with number three, creating a, a personal value proposition. We'll get into this here in a moment. Uh, but sort of a value proposition about yourself. What's your inner guiding compass? Once you're crystal clear, sort of on, you know, what are your strengths? What are your, you know, what are some characteristics about yourself? Your tendencies? What direction do you want to go? When we were doing the guided meditation a few moments ago, um, you know, what did that feel like? What did that sound like? What did that taste like when, when, when Gian was, you know, asking you to project yourself into the future? Um, if, when you were doing that exercise, if you were envisioning sort of a, you know, a, a room full of people, uh, who were in one of your classes, you know, what are the, what do those people look like? Um, you know, what, 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 what is the room? You know, what does it look like outside the room? These sort of things. When you start to get clear on that, you can start to create your own brand. And then it also gives you a bit of clarity on who is the right person to partner with. Because when you start to have clarity on sort of your mission, your purpose, your vision, then the people who you partner with are going to be, it's going to be healthy and harmonious, right? Because you're, you're not selling yourself short. And that's why, uh, or you're not compromising potentially your integrity, or you're not partnering with someone who you don't feel is in line with your values, your ethics, your morals. So that's why, you know, we talk about that as one of the very first things, because it's sort of, like I said, it's your inner guiding compass just to figure out, you know, who you are in this professional world now that you guys are going to potentially be stepping into. And potentially you guys are taking a TYTTC, you know, this therapeutic yoga course, just to advance your own personal knowledge. And that's a beautiful thing as well. Um, you know, I'm all about self-study. Like, I personally, um, I never, you know, I didn't go to college. Um, I actually dropped out of high school. <laughs> Um, and I just, but I've always read, I've always studied, I've always just, you know, created, 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 and it's all just been by just accruing as much knowledge and as much information, like I have a thirst for it, it's crazy. Um, but just, you know, so I, res that's why, again, like I just respect everyone in this room so much because you're making an effort to just grow yourself, to, to, to expand upon your knowledge, and wherever you apply that knowledge is, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Um. We'll talk about content, creating content, which is always a big part of marketing. Um, creating content around you. Um, by content, I mean, you know, media, pictures, photos, videos, um, a website, all of these things. When I say media, that's what I mean uh, around content. Uh, and then we'll talk about money. Actually, I've thought about uh, a few revenue streams that you guys can potentially step into the world and leverage in, you know, generating revenues for you almost immediately. Uh, we'll talk about Svadhyaya, we'll talk about some self-study at the end, um, and then we'll talk about the support that actually Agama gives you. I'll, I'll go through the marketing kit that we leave you with when you finish, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk about the actual support that should you step into the world and start teaching and doing the things that you're going to do, you know, what Agama Thailand will do to support you as well in terms of, um, you know, social media support, newsletter support, you know, the things from Agama Corporate, if you will. Um, and then at the very end, I'll, I'll, I'll tie it all up. I'll, I'll wrap it all up. And so hopefully we're all still awake by that. Um, so, uh, again, you know, what are, you, what are your visions? Um, 
I'm not a big fan of goals, personally, because I always break them. Um, and I don't ever really stick to them. Uh, I mean, I just, I just think of, you know, like New Year's Eve, you have a resolution to do something and that lasts a minute, you know, or like a couple days or it's, you know, it's very short lived. Um, this is personally for me. Um, however, when I do exercises such as the sort of visioning, um, uh, lecture that we started the class with, uh, you know, things start to become more clear. Again, I can start involving all of my senses in, uh, what I want to, you know, what I see myself doing in a certain amount of time, six months, one year, uh, um, you know, five years, however long, you know, however amount of time down the road. Um, what's really cool too is I typically, when I, when I go into these, these kind of sessions of visioning is, you know, the right answers and sort of the path starts to reveal itself in a really mysterious way. Um, and when you come out of this meditation, this visioning, you kind of know the next step, right? Like, you come out of it and you're like, holy smokes, like, I just got this great idea to do something back in, um, Auckland, New Zealand. You know, maybe Auckland is your hometown. I don't know if there's any Kiwis here. But, um, you know, maybe you're like, okay, I want to go back to Auckland and I want to open a therapeutic yoga practice for, uh, you know, kindergartners. I, I don't know. Um, but, okay, but that's a great thing to know. You want to, okay, you, you have your marketplace, which is New Zealand. You, you have this dream or this sort of, this, this vision of helping children through the practice of therapeutic yoga. You come out of that, that, that visioning and you just know at that point if all the actions that you're taking are sort of in line with that vision, right? Like you'll know if you're not doing something that's in line with that vision or if you are. You'll come out of it and maybe you're like, holy smokes, I should send that, uh, you know, I, I know the superintendent of the school district, uh, in, in Auckland. I should send him an email and just let him know what I'm doing. These sort of things, right? Um, and so I'm really, really glad that we actually started with this visioning at the beginning because that, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really, it's a really valuable thing, um, to sort of, to sort of guide you in the right direction. And I notice that when I get quiet, I, I kind of operate from a, a more authentic, you know, true, true place. Um, when, you know, uh, Sometimes, you know, if, if I don't practice stillness and quietness when I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing in the future, you know, ego gets in the way and I start coming up with all these big, crazy, you know, grand schemes and maybe it's not in my best interest. Um, so, yeah, just sort of the power of, of, of visioning around what you see as or what you feel, you know, is, is the right next step. And again, uh, one second, absolutely. Um, no, no, thank you. Uh, and so again, like, you know, these, these documents here, it's just meant to be like, if something pops in your mind, if you're like, oh wow, I should reach out to that person, or ooh, this is really, you know, this is really calling to me in this moment, you know, just write it down and then, you know, maybe in a week, revisit it. Um, in a couple weeks, revisit it. When you're on the plane, revisit it. Uh, every time I travel and I'm on planes, that's like where I always do all of my, my writing. Like, I, I love this. Um, so. to share something really quick. I think um, one of the best ways to distinguish, it's more of a comment and an addendum to what Great. you're saying, yeah. um, to distinguish between goals and visions is is the difference between what are you doing versus why are you doing it. Mm -hmm. So when you think about, when you with the example of, yes, I want to teach children, I think it also helps to ask ourselves why. And that was what was powerful about the the meditation because it was think about what gave you joy what gave you purpose 
And that gets the root of your vision. That gets the root of the motivation of what you're doing. So it's always helpful to get deeper into why do I want to do that? And that is the essence of your vision and that is the essence of your calling. Because then if you're clear on that, and it could be something like, I want to heal children or be the, you know, the expert healer of children, especially in this world, the Svata world. Um, there are actually millions of ways to do that. You can bring them yoga. You can bring them mindfulness, meditation. There are so many ways to do that. And, um, and I think that's a really important distinguishment to make between goals and visions. First, get very clear on what that vision is, why you want to do it, what is the fundamental motivation behind what you want to do, and then you can build goals based on that. That's wonderful. <coughs> Sorry, I also have a question. For me, it's a problem, not that I think too big, but I have the vision, I have the whole program for my yoga school done, like I could teach yoga for the next five years in my own yoga school. Yeah. I have tantra teachings, therapeutic yoga teachings, something for only women, something for only men, something for pelvic floor. Right. W way too much, but then I don't even know where would I start. Like, I would love, like, my yeah. vision is having a yoga school with all these different yeah, yeah. offers, but and then where to start and how to get the money. I'm, like, broke like crazy, course. like everyone probably in this course. How do I even start with renting a place of course. with this huge vision? So, this, that's a wonderful question, and I... Uh, I'm not even going to say suffer from the same thing. It's sort of a gift to think big. Um, but it's just knowing how to properly execute, right? And so in the technology world, there's something called an MVP, right? It's a minimal viable product. And so what you do is, especially when you're, you know, when you're first starting out, like, you know, get a visioning board and throw it all up there, right? Like, don't hold back when you're first just concepting and you're thinking about all of these things, right? But when it comes time to actually quote, go to market when it comes time to open the door, think about what is the minimal viable product? What is the thing that you can go to market with that costs the least amount of money but will get the most amount of return? So um, what I heard was, you know, maybe uh, specialized tantra workshops for women. Okay, yes, you have all of these wonderful things that you want to do, but define your market. First become known as an expert in just giving tantra workshops for women, right? Do that for three months and rent the space, right? But ask for the money up front. So then work out a deal with the owner of the space that you'll pay them half up front and you'll pay them half upon completion of the course itself so you don't have to come up with all the cash at the beginning. It's just all about a negotiation. That's the wonderful thing is you're dealing with other people in this case, in, in most cases, in all cases. Um, so there's always a negotiation that can happen. But once you start to become known as that expert, and you start getting momentum, magical things happen. Like, I've, I've lived it, and I've witnessed it, and I've been a part of it, and it's just, it's remarkable. Like, when you just focus on that one thing, you know this is the goal, but you just focus, focus, focus on that, and you become known as the expert for that. Everything else has this amazing way of just opening up as long as you're staying true to yourself. As long as you're staying true, again, to your value proposition, which we'll talk about here in a moment, you know, as long as you're staying true to your core ethics, values, and beliefs, and you do this one thing and you do it perfectly, investors will come out of the woodwork and they'll say, wow, I really believe in what you're doing. I think you have a wonderful charisma. You're passionate. You've got a wonderful product. You're helping people. You're changing the community. People are losing their minds. Like, women are freaking out with this tantra thing. Like, you know, like, husbands are happy. Everyone's happy. Dogs and cats are dancing. Like, whatever. 
Um, you know, like, just this stuff happens. It really, really does. But it just starts with being focused and just doing one thing and dominating it and going all in on that one thing. And then you can start to open up into other um, sort of ventures, right? And you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can expand yourself if your time allows for it or, again, strategic partnerships. Maybe your partner is a, uh, uh, you know, maybe your partner is a tantric man. You ask your partner, hey, I'm giving these, these, these workshops, for, these tantric workshops for women. Would you be interested now that I have traction, I have market awareness, people know who I am in Auckland, um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm crushing it. I'm going to open it up. I want to open it up to men now. You have that conversation. The two of you partner. You're still giving workshops for women. He starts giving workshops for men. And then after a month or two of that or whatever, you know, amount of time it takes to naturally let things start to sort of crystallize within the marketplace, because it does, um, then you come together and you start teaching joint workshops that maybe resemble, you know, an Agama Tantra course or something like this, where it's, you know, a, you know, it's, it's a man and a woman talking about these things together in the same setting. And then from there, you leapfrog, or you springboard, I should say. And you just keep doing this, and you keep doing this. But the, 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 the key here is slowly, slowly. And that can be excruciating at times, especially when, you know, you want that cash to be rolling in, or if you're not thinking in a monetary sense, like you just, you, you want to be making a bigger difference, a bigger splash. Um, and it doesn't have to be slowly, slowly. Let me, let me restate that. Just in its own time, right? So if you do this for a month, and people are freaking out, like I was, like I was just saying a moment ago. Like, okay, cool. Maybe it's time to expedite it a little bit and bring in that other person. Um, but again, just being crystal clear on what you do and who you are, sort of what, how you're presenting yourself and your products and your, you know, your services. Um, that'll dictate how quickly all of those other things will unfold. Does that does that make sense? It makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And now the next challenge. Now I have a very nomadic mind. So now. I want to be in one place maybe for half a year, and then I wish to have a yogic lifestyle of not entering fully in this business and, you know, burning out at some point because I have big visions and I want to do all of it at once. Yep. But then still I want to take maybe half a year off afterwards, but this would crush actually the business. All the efforts I just put in in this last half a year mm -hmm. would go down. Sure. Or so like how to do this, like to actually live a yeah. harmonious life yep. in a yogic way, yep. but still, you know, getting it all together. Yeah. So that goes, that, the answer to that is, I'm really going to expand on it here in a little bit, but when I start talking about content, creating content around yourself, um, you know, I, I always hate it when people are cliche and they're like, in these days especially, and what the fuck does that mean? Like, it's always these days, it's always relative to these days. Um, but like, every, like, so for example, uh, two weeks ago here in Copangon, there was like the Converge Forum. It was at Moonlight, and there's 75 digital nomads right now in Copangon who are traveling the world and working. This was something that didn't exist 10 years ago. It did, but not in such a coordinated way. Like, ev like it's so accepted to be transient, to be nomadic. Um, you know, we have teachers here at the school. There's, 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 you know. Uh, one, one, you know, amazing woman who does rebirthing. There's an amazing woman who does mystical dance. Um, you know, these are people who create a brand around themselves. They have a product, but they also have a face to the product. And it doesn't matter where they go. 
They're always creating content. They're always publishing that content. They're very good at, you know, social media and networking and these things. And they just make sure that every step of the way, they're capturing the moment and they're placing that content, um, you know, on the world stage. When we start to talk about your marketplace, this is how it's all going to kind of dovetail together. It's where do you want to do business? And knowing that from the beginning, or at least having an idea about that from the beginning, is going to help that tremendously. If your marketplace is the world, great. Now you know, like, okay, think about four or five different marketplaces you want to be. Maybe Rishikesh, Bali, Boulder, Colorado, because it's the best place on earth. Um, uh, <laughs> right? Just think about a few different places. Um, and then, again, you vision, you kind of go into your internal process, you think about why you're doing it, um, you think about what are the motivating factors in these things. You know, you start sending those emails, you start reaching out to people in those marketplaces. Maybe, you know, you do some research and you see that there's a, uh, you know, an art studio and they have a little space for rent in the back. You know, just by doing online research before you even get into that marketplace, you send them an email and you have like a little proposal, right? Just one page. This is who you are. This, this is your product. You reach out to them and you say, hey, I'm going to be in, 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 you know, in Auckland. We'll say Auckland is, uh, is another one. Um, hey, I'm going to be in Auckland, you know, I'm planning on coming, I want to do this really cool workshop, I really love your business. Is it cool if I use your space to give this workshop? Um, you know, and, and then you, you ask, you know, can I pay you half up front, half upon completion of it for space rental for however long the workshop is? Um, and then you just negotiate that. And then you reach out, you know, and then you just get creative. If you can't actually be in that marketplace, you do a little bit of pre-work. Maybe you, you know, put an ad in the college if there's a university in that neighborhood. You, you go on Craigslist or you go, you go online and you put some sort of an ad out saying, you know, I'll pay you $10 an hour to distribute flyers for me, right? Like through this amazing thing, you know, through, through the, through the internet and essentially, you know, crowdsourcing anything that you want right now online, uh, in terms of services, like you don't have to be in the marketplace to start gaining market traction. And so you can absolutely do that. You can, and that's what's so cool, you know, it's like in these days, guy just said it. Um, but like, you know, you can, you can, you can pop around. Like you don't have to have that fixed hub. Um, you can, uh, but at the same time, you don't have to. It just depends on, again, just thinking about like, how do you want to live your life and how do you want to present to the world? How do you want to present yourself? How do you want to present your product? How do you want to present this knowledge that you're learning in this course to the world, right? So, is that sort of... So, yeah. No, 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 no. And that's actually, that's not, not to get like too deep into specifics, but that's actually a wonderful thing as well. Because think about, again, what I was saying a moment ago about being known as the thought leader, being known as the expert, right? If you have a, if you have a studio opened in, in, or a center opened in Auckland, New Zealand, right? And you're known as, you know, the expert in therapeutic yoga. Um, and then for six months of the year, you leave and go travel. And you make it known within the marketplace that you're doing that. Like, you know, you're sending out your newsletter to all the people who are actually in mar in the marketplace, who are your, your clients, your students, your, your, your patients, right? Um, in, in Auckland, you let them know, Hey, I'm going to New Zealand. I'm, I'm traveling the world to continue my studies, to continue my self development, to continue giving these courses out into the world, into all these different marketplaces. That just like puts you on an even like, 
sort of higher echelon on the people within that marketplace thinking that you're the expert. You come back to the marketplace and chances are you're going to have pretty good success because people know you just went to go improve, improve yourself, right? Um, and so this can be, you know, this can be a very, very powerful thing. Um, but again, that's why it's really important to either be creating engaging content for yourself while you're out there moving around in the world doing your thing, or through a strategic partnership, maybe hiring a social media manager. Because if you, you know, the, the most valuable thing is to know what you don't know, right? And so, and also time management. And so if, if you really want to be focused on teaching and, you know, developing this curriculum and putting all of your, your, your energies into that, and you're like, social media is, you know, it's like fucking hieroglyphics, like, then know that, great, there's brilliant social media people out there who will, all you have to do is just, you know, tell them the content that you want to push out to the world and they'll make it happen for you. You know, business development managers, you know, there's so many different resources, graphic design online, you know, there's different platforms that you can crowdsource these things. So you can focus on what you want to do, and then you can just outsource the rest. And just because of the nature of how sort of the global economy is right now, you can outsource it for, like, there's a platform called Fi Fiverr. Fiverr, I'm not quite sure how you say it, but I use it all the time. It's F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. And their whole thing is, you know, for $5. For $5, you can get flyers made. For $5, you can get posters made. For $5, you can get business cards made. F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. That's just one example. But there's so many different online platforms right now where you can crowdsource, you can outsource different components of your business so you can focus just on what you want to do and, and, and dominate it and put all of your energy into that one thing, right? So. Cool, we've talked about the first slide. <laughs> we're, just, we're just moving right along here. Um... So, I'm going to get into talking about brand, and then I'm going to talk about the pro creating your products, right? And so, when you're thinking about creating a brand, there's sort of two different ways that you can go. Um, and again, none of this stuff is, is, is required, right? If the thought about creating a brand around yourself like is, is uncomfortable it, or it doesn't quite resonate, there's nothing that says you have to, right? Um, this is just, if you are thinking about sort of how to present yourself to the world, it's good to sort of think about yourself as a brand, right? Like, manage yourself as if you were a brand. What's your brand identity? Uh, you know, which is how you, how you see yourself. What's your brand image? Which is how other people perceive you, right? Just starting to be mindful of these things, starting to think about yourself as a brand and sort of managing yourself accordingly. It can have wonderful benefits because it'll keep you coordinated and consistent in how you interact with the world. Um, so let's say, let's say Surya goes out into the world and she has a center. She's there for six months, but then when she goes out into the world, she, and this is just, of course, hypothetical, but she like completely goes off track, right? Like she veers off and now she's, you know, she's, she's teaching, uh, you know, Pilates to the elderly or something like, which is cool. Like, you know, nothing wrong with that at all. But I'm just saying though, like from her core original sort of, you know, what she what she started out with and what she started to get successful in doing, if all of a sudden she just goes off on this, you know, this 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 crazy path, or whomever just, you know, decides to go off on a crazy path, um, you're gonna confuse you're gonna confuse the consumer, right? You're gonna confuse the people who come to you to 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 get that specialized knowledge. And once you start confusing people, they get they get 
they get antsy and they're probably not going to continue to, to, to come to your course or maybe they will once in a while. Um, but again, like starting to think about yourself as a brand and how you present yourself, it can have some positive, um, some positive effects or positive results. Um, and so when you guys graduate, you know, there's obviously quite a number of different paths you can take and that will sort of dictate how you position yourself if you choose to start to think of yourself as a brand, right? So when you're done with the 500-hour program, for example, you could stay in Copangon, you could do your 150-hour internship at the Healing Center, you can do your 35-hour, like, you know, specialty um, uh, practice here in, in Copangon uh, with Agama. You could go that route, right? And if you're operating under the Agama brand, you don't necessarily maybe have to be as mindful as having, um, you know, creating a personal brand around yourself because you're sort of operating under the umbrella of an established brand. But let's say after the 500-hour course, you decide to go to Auckland and open your own practice, right? Let's just say you're like super ambitious and you've got, you know, you have an investor, like you've got capital behind you, um, you've got a space, you know your product, like you just want to go out and start like crushing it in the world. Cool. Like you know, you've got to start thinking about it, okay, like branding your business and having you and your products as a component of that. One more scenario could be you graduate the 500-hour program and you just want to go and travel the world and maybe, do, you know, guest teach or drop in, do you know, drop in therapeutic yoga classes in studios around the world, which is, which is awesome, right? Like, you know, for a few years, you could just travel around, you could, you know, just drop into studios, like on one Saturday a month or something, you could give, you know, or once a week, um, uh, you could give, you know, a specialty therapeutic yoga class. Um, again, that's great, but now, instead of thinking about branding yourself as a center, like, that's more like actually branding yourself and creating, like, really engaging social media around yourself and, and actually, you know, putting a little bit more emphasis and spotlight on on yourself, and I know this gets a little bit tricky, um, you know, in terms of, you know, when you start thinking about the yogic perspective and things like that too, it's like, um, you know, how much, how much emphasis do I want to put on me? Um, and this is, this is, a, this is a real thing, you know, and it's, a, it's a delicate, it's a delicate topic, you know, you're like, how much do I want to like feed my ego and put me on a, and I'm just speaking for things that are coming up for me as well. Um, you know, like, how, how much do I want to position myself as this, this, this great, great person? And am I still staying true to, you know, what is really the source of all this stuff coming through me? Um, and so those are just, you know, they're, it's, it's, it's about, it's a delicate balance of, of how to position yourself and how to go out into the world. But again, you know, through these visionings and through the things that you were just speaking about a moment ago, um, uh, what, what's your name? Kimmy. Um, yeah, so that was wonderful. Like when you, when you get quiet and you do these visionings, you start to get to sort of the root of what are your intentions, what are your motivations, you know, some, what's some of the beauty and the, the, the true core merit behind these things. Once you get really comfortable on that, it may become a little bit more comfortable to put yourself in the spotlight and promote yourself as, as a professional because you know you've got something to give that's valuable and it will help people. And you're really, you know, you're really giving a gift to the world. Um, and so, again, just thinking about brand identity and brand image. Um, you know, a brand identity is sort of how you view yourself. Um, and a brand image is how 
others view you. So ideally, you want those things to be the same, right? Um, you want to, you, you want all the people in the marketplace, all the people out in the world to see you sort of as you see yourself presenting yourself or your products to the world. Um, and so again, like everything that I'm talking about is just to give you guys, you know, something to think about when you're moving forward and you're, you're, you're you know, you're creating traction, you're getting out there and doing things in the world. It's just things to be mindful of. It's things to think about. You know, take take one of the topics from tonight. Take none of them. Take all of them. You know, they're just, again, they're things that have helped me that, you know, I've thought of while I'm going through the world and, and, and positioning myself as a professional that have helped. Um, yes? Yoga is such, like, I mean, we speak about spirituality, like principles, like yamas and niyamas and all this. So the, to respect to, by yourself, this standard, it's pretty high. And once you start to be out, and if you become an expert, but if you're not enlightened, you cannot really go to, it becomes like you speak about something, but you cannot really fully somehow, uh, I don't know, maybe you have a, a, a wine once in a while or you have different things that goes or a bit like you're not walking fully 100% the path of what you're speaking and it, it becomes very much pressuring on ourselves mm -hmm. if we don't, we're not fully aligned with these teachings and I've faced it sometimes, it come, it came and go. Uh, but is there any ways to, that you see in terms of marketing to, to kind of, and uh, not having that much pressure or any ways to, to feel it, to attune better with this? Um. <laughs> you can think about it and speak later. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, the more you sort of define yourself as presenting a certain product or a certain service in a certain way, and the more you put yourself in the public perspective or the public eye or on a platform of, you know, living these, you know, morals and ethics, abiding by niyama and yama, um, you know, a component of that is accountability to a certain extent. And so it's just being mindful of your, of your actions when you're out in the world, right? Like, and that's just the nature of things. And it also depends on where you're at, your marketplace. Like when you're in Copangan, you're in a fishbowl. Like, it's really difficult to get away from, uh, you know, anything or anyone. Like you go anywhere and you're seeing all the people you do practice with and you work with and you, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy. Um, but it's just, it's just having that mindfulness about, you know, when you step into this new role in your life, being mindful of all those other things that will come along with it as well, right? And what I found is the more honest and the more transparent you are, the more relatable you are as well, right? And so some people aren't gonna, some people aren't gonna appreciate it. Some people will be like, oh, well, you're preaching this, but you're going out and drinking wine, right? But there's also a group of people who are gonna really respect that because that makes you human, right? And it just depends on what the core essence and the content of what your teachings and what your workshops and these things are as well. Obviously, if you're teaching one thing, but then you're going out and living a lifestyle that completely contradicts it, you know, I mean, that's, you know, you probably don't want to do that. Um, but if you're giving workshops, um, <laughs> right? I mean, that's probably not a good idea. Um, but if you, you know, if you're giving spiritual workshops and these things, but you go out and have a glass of wine once in a while, like, you know, 
think about maybe putting it on Instagram. You know, right now I'm, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, the hedonism of this moment and I'm tracing the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tracing this full sensory, uh, engulfment back to source and I'm giving it all up to Shiva, right? Like, no, straight up, like, you know, that's, I mean, that's Tantra at its core, right? Um, and so, like, there are ways that you can weave your lifestyle into what you're doing and it actually strengthens it all. Like, people admire and respect what I found. People admire and respect transparency and honesty, right? And so, you know, when, when you try to, like, sweep things out of, under the rug or not be true to yourself, if you love to have a glass of wine once in a while, um, or whatever, whatever, like, a, just, just an example, um, but then, you know, you start teaching these things, but you still really want to do that, and then, you know, maybe you don't, you know, share it with the world or you don't step into it. Um, you know, maybe you're selling yourself short. Maybe there's an opportunity there to encompass it all, right? Just, 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 just a thought. Just add on. Please. Um, yeah, I've, like, I have a couple of friends, Gion, back in the States who are just hugely successful in, like, wellness coaching and health coaching and things in that end and they've created their brand out of their own struggles mm. um like for example a, a woman who's a health coach and she started her brand is all about like intuitive eating and she absolutely doesn't claim to be an expert on eating intuitively but she's continuously like marketed her own um journey with it and that's actually what brings people in. So it's just, I know it doesn't have to do everything with what you're talking about, but mm -hmm. just an important yeah. nugget of information. I mean, people respect honesty and transparency, and people respect when you show the human side of yourself. From what I found, you know, there's back in the States, the woman, when you said that, I was thinking, um, I'm not plugging anyone or anything, but there's this woman, Gabby Bernstein, who... Um, you know, she was an addict and she, you know, went through some crazy stuff. Um, and, you know, her successes now are hinged upon her recovery and the things she's done since then. Um, and it's that honesty and openness and that transparency and, you know, coupled with her spirituality and, the, you know, the actions and the things that she's doing now, like people freak over what she's doing. People can relate to it. It's that relatability, right? And essentially, at the end of the day, and this is, you know, what I talk about more in like the 200-hour uh, TTC when I talk to the 200 hour TTC graduates is as a yoga teacher um, and as a therapeutic yoga teacher you know you want to be relatable like the more you start to put yourself on a pedestal the greater gap there becomes in people feeling emotionally compelled to associate themselves or hitch their personal well-being upon you right that gap just just you know grows bigger and bigger and bigger if you're if you if you you know if you per, if you if you portray this, 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 this image of perfection, like, yeah, it's cool to like take some cues from it, but people aren't going to become emotionally attached and, and put their well-being in your hands. They're likely not to. I'm not saying will or won't, um, but it's just more likely that you're going to create that separation between you and the people you want to help, right? So, yeah. And I have a question towards this. How much do we actually have to sell ourselves? Like, Right. How much can I stay private yep. in my thing? Because like we tried it one season actually and it worked really well because one marketing guru told us share as much as possible yeah. over what you eat, what you do, and we literally shared, we put pictures of again eating a peach 
telling how great the speech was, like, ridiculous, like, right. really in the details. And it was not us. It was like, after the end of the season, I think we got many, many people coming to our workshop, but we were like, really, it's really not us, like, mm -hmm. sharing all of this, like, oh, look at this beautiful sunset and how, like, it's, uh, it's, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> so how much yeah, yeah. can we actually stay in this, maybe even in this distance and not having to share every move that we do yeah. and every thought that we give and so on. <laughs> so that's a, that's an amazing question. It's all in, again, when you start, how do you want to position yourself? How do you want to brand? Is it you plus your products or is it your products plus you, right? So let's just uh, say you have, um, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the tantric feminine. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, like, you have this product called the Tantric Feminine, and it's your workshops for, for women, your Tantric workshops for women. Create a product, create a brand around the Tantric Feminine, and position that out into the marketplace. Promote the hell out of that, right? Like, this is the product. Product, 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 product. Presented by Surya, right? If that's what's comfortable, then great. That can be very, very, very successful. Um... And then conversely, you know, if you want to be Surya, 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 create a brand around yourself, and the Tantric Feminine is just a product, because you know in the future you might have more products, and Tantric Feminine was just that MVP, that minimal viable product that I spoke about a moment ago, that was just your first gateway to entry into the marketplace, and you know you want to have other products down the line, then it makes sense to create a brand around you, and this is where it's very valuable to, you know, consult business coaches, consult others, talk to gurus, like you were just saying, to consult others, to try to get, like, clarity and direction and vision on how to do that where it's the most comfortable for you, right? But again, it's just, like, when you start just sort of thinking about, like, how do you want to position it? And I'll say one more thing. It also depends on the marketplace that you're in. Um, so Street to New, for example, I'll use Copangan as an example. Uh, just because, you know, I'm, I'm, right now I'm engaged in a big marketing strategy for this school within Street to New. Now I wasn't, I, I came to the school in December, so almost a year, I've almost been here a year. Uh, it's like December 12th or something? 7th? 8th. <laughs> um, so, I wasn't here before then. However, um, what I know is, you know, even up until like one or two years ago, you know, the other yoga schools, you know, Samakaruna had very little market share. Orion was developing. There was no Gaia. There was no this. There was no that. There was no this. There was no that. And so Agama, the brand, could function because it had a dominant market share in Copangan, right? Like other people maybe had little segments of the market, but Agama was Agama. And so there didn't have to be that much emphasis on the people, right? Now, of course, the people is what makes it brilliant. The transmissions of the teaching at the core is what makes Agama Agama. Like, that's the brilliance of it. However, at that time, the success of the school could ride upon the strength of the brand. Okay? That was true up until about a year or two ago. Street to New is an emerging marketplace, right? High growth. It's exploding right now. Like, it's blown up. Um, so, in order to be successful now, so for example, on any given day, get them, get them, get them all. Um, on any given day, like on a random Wednesday, you can go on Facebook into Copangon Conscious Community, and there'll be, on a Wednesday, there'll be five people giving workshops about astrology, tantra, 
uh, da -da 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 right? And the people who are really doing it, who are doing well in this marketplace, are people, again, who are known as the thought leaders in those areas, right? So it's not enough anymore for a gamma to just be a gamma and continue to be successful. What I'm currently doing with a lot of the workshop facilitators is helping and coaching them try to create more of a, more awareness around them as giving the workshops. Because that's what's going on in the marketplace. You have to constantly study the marketplace and ask yourself, are you still relevant? Right? And so that was what I first did when I got to Agama. I came in with a new set of fresh eyes and I said, is this school still relevant? You know, and I was able to do that. I was able to look around. I was able to see what the other people are doing. I was able to look at the existing branding and the positioning and how we were presenting ourselves and our brand identity. Is it in line with the brand image that how other people see us out in the world? You know, I was able to come in and just sort of look at all these things and slowly, slowly, slowly start to finesse. Um, so basically, like, that's a really kind of roundabout way of, like, addressing your question. In these days, <laughs> there's still, there needs to be a face. I, I try to, I try to stay away from saying needs to be, being that definitive, but it, 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 it helps you greatly to be known as that, that thought leader, to be known as that expert. It's not, it's not mandatory, but, the way that especially this marketplace is trending, the people who are being successful are the people who have created, you know, uh, you know, SallySue.com and is, you know, dominating one niche, SallySue.com, the tantric feminine. And they're known as that and their workshops sell out, you know, and so that's, you know, that's, and that's my job is to make sure that Agama, when we do a, a feminine workshop, that we can still compete with people who they put every single day all of their resources. Resources are what? Time and money. They put all of their resources into building their business around that. You know, and when Agama does 20 things, you know, it's, it's difficult to have all 20 of those things be successful because you have people who are devoting everything they have into being the expert in that one area. Okay? Now where this is relevant to what I was saying a moment ago with, with you guys is, that's why it's so important to start with one thing and do it well, right? To start with that minimal viable product, become known as the expert in this field, and then you can start to expand to other things, right? And so actually, um, you know, with, with, with Agama in 2017, not to digress too much, but it's all relevant, you know, we've stripped down the calendar into just the things that Agama does brilliantly, like the core teachings, and we're going all in with, 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 you know, promoting these things and working with the facilitators and, um, you know, we're just sort of like tightening down and repositioning. And so again, it's just all about asking yourself, are you still relevant? And one of the most important things to do as an independent contractor, a business owner, which some of you may be when you go out into the world, one of the biggest things to do again is constantly ask yourself, are you still relevant? Like that's the most important thing. And it's really difficult too because let's play out this scenario really quick. Let's say that you get wildly successful giving the tantric feminine, right? And the first year, your revenues, like you're, you're blown up, you're packed, like, you know, you're, you're on top of the world. Um, you did certain things to achieve that success, right? The second year, you do the exact same things because you know that they made you successful, but numbers start dropping off. Well, what do you think happened? You got so comfortable in doing something a certain way that 
you may not have lifted your chin up and looked back out into the horizon and asked, my, asked yourself, am I still relevant, right? Is my message still relevant in this marketplace or is, is it saturated now? Is every, has everyone heard it? The cool thing about Copangon is there's constantly a new group of people coming in. So that's great, right? We can keep doing the same, well, we can, we can keep offering, you know, the, the same, you know, brilliant teachings and these things, you know, and the average stay is 30 to 90 days. And so there's always a fresh group of people. Um, but again, you know, you just have to keep asking yourself, who has entered the marketplace since I got successful? What's new? What's changed? This is so, so, so important. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting hammered too. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay, I think we're on slide two. Um, <laughs> uh, so when you're thinking about your inner value proposition, right, your core, your core beliefs, um, something that I came up, you know, just, just, you know, sort of a statement in your mind. It's like a mission statement, if you will. Businesses, they, you know, sometimes they got a mission statement on the wall and a little gold frame with flowers or whatever. Like, I'm not super big on that sort of thing because, you know, uh, I'm just not. But um, just sort of having that like sentence in your mind of how do you present to the world, right? How do you 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 gift to the world? What's your uniqueness that you gift to the world? So earlier today, I thought, okay, you're a teacher of the one of one of the most traditional, authentic forms of natural healing with training from one of the top therapeutic yoga centers in the world, right? So that's pretty powerful, and it's true. Like, that's something that as you're going out into the world, you know, having that in the back of your mind, that gives you a talking point when you start talking to uh, potential new partners, strategic partners, potential new clients, right? You don't necessarily have to say those things verbatim to someone because it might sound a little bit mechanical. You can obviously, you know, sort of, you know, uh, you know, put it into your own words. But again, just having that, 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 that defining sentence in your mind it keeps you on track. It keeps me on track, right? Like when I'm when I'm you know developing a new project, um, you know when I'm going into a new venture, uh, whatever. Like you know just having that sort of that that idea about who I am and how I'm presenting, it just helps tremendously. And it helps, like I said, it helps you partner with the right people. Um, you know, if if you partnered with uh, you know Philip Morris, they're the cigarette people, right? Like you know that might not be in line with authentic forms of natural healing, right? Like, so, you know, when you start to think about this, um, you're going to know the right moves to make or you'll, you'll, you'll be more comfortable in the moves that you make. Um, if you're, if you're, in, if this sentence, if this sentence was something like, um, you know, I, I provide open, honest, and uh, transparent uh, communication to the world while uh, you know, sharing my, my spiritual knowledge. Well, if, if that's your inner guiding compass, then if you, you know, if you were to have a glass of wine once in a while or do some of these things, that still fits within that framework because you're being very clear on who you are and how you're going to present yourself to the world, right? Um, so just something to think about, just something to think about. Um, so Agama's value proposition, um, and you know, I wrote this when I first got here, is uh, Agama is a true spiritual university that brings the authentic roots of yoga to life through courses, workshops, and retreats at campuses around the world. I know that's a mouthful, but it's it's what we do, 
right? Like it's 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 you know that that sort of just guides, um, and it's pretty broad, uh, but it just sort of guides, you know, how 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 we move, you know, an authentic, you know, spiritual university, like that that brings up like a certain image and a certain feeling in my mind, like when I'm marketing the school and positioning it, um, you know, so. For the TYTTC, for this actual group right here, this isn't an official um, statement or anything like that, but I wrote earlier today, um, Agama's Therapeutic Yoga Teacher Training prepares graduates to transmit the healing powers of yoga and natural therapies to students and patients around the world via world-class consultations, programs, workshops, and retreats. So again, I know that's a mouthful, but again, it's just like... Having that in the back of your mind to know that that's where you graduated from and that's what you you hold inherently inside of you when you move forward from this course, that's powerful. Very, very powerful. Um, and then, you know, you operate from that place that you have that toolkit inside of you to go out into the world and offer a world-class product to anybody who you feel, you just offer the product and they'll come type of thing, right? Um, so again, I'm just giving examples. Of, of, of statements or sentences that you can maybe start to think about in your mind that'll always keep you on track or that will be, you know, that, that will help you be more likely to stay on track. Yeah. I'll try to explain quickly in 30 seconds what are you doing. Is yeah. that this one? This is where, well, yes and no. This is where it all stems from. Like I said, like, Again, think of it as your inner guiding compass. And so it's, it's points that you could talk to. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't really think about it in terms of an elevator speech per se. Um, but the more clear you are, like if you're creating, if you're being mindful about creating a, a brand around yourself, what are your, your ethics, your beliefs, what are your products, what are these things? When you meet that person in the elevator, then Depending on who they are, or what their background is, or what industry they're in, or what you want to potentially uh, gain or come together and create from that person, it'll change a little bit. You know, like I, I, I'm not a big fan on like a set elevator speech personally because it changes constantly depending on who you're talking to, depending on where you're at. I think it's important to be a little bit aware of what, or like you go to a party, yep. and then how could you sell yourself without selling yourself, yep. without you know I'm this or this, like of just sharing. Again, just what being, yeah. Just like sharing your knowledge, your passion. Like passion for me is like what is, you know, it's it's what it's what got me through when I was in my twenties and I was raising a lot of money to like open, you know, these these ventures back in Colorado because I was just so passionate. Like I was in the wine industry and like I love food. I obviously still do, um, but like you know, food and wine and these things were just like they were everything. And I just like you know, I went all in and I got my sommelier and you know, I learned, you know, I just like read every cooking book I could about, you know, from, from all these Michelin restaurants. And I just like, I dove into it. And then it didn't matter who I talked to. I never had an elevator speech. I was that. Like, I didn't need an elevator speech, right? Like, and I didn't have to sell myself because I would just start, you know, I would start sharing my passion for wine or I'd start sharing my passion for, you know, you know, classic French, you know, culinary techniques or something like this or talking chef's knives with the chef, you know, talking... Um, you know, front of house strategies with the general manager. Like, it just would always change. But when you're living that, and you're just, you're just, you're just, that passion is just coming out of you. Like, you're selling yourself, but you don't once say, buy something, right? Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Yes, makes totally sense. Just um, for example, Gian and me, the way we traveled in the process, we had to use it a lot because you go into a shop to propose mm-hmm. yourself. Like, oh, this is us and us, and by the way, tomorrow we're giving this work. Like, you have to have something yeah. short, and this was in the last yep. year's presentation, like, really important of having a short sentence sure. be clear, because in the beginning we, we talked 15, 20 minutes, yeah. and you could see, they were like, oh, okay, like, it's too long. So, the, you know, yep, something just, really short. Just really quick, and then um, I just want to say one, one thing about that, is before you give an elevator speech to someone, do your research and put make a list of 10 ways you can help that person before you say one word about what it is you do. Say, I know, okay, say like, it's, say it's a, a, a picture frame business. You're like, I know this amazing photographer that is, you know, they have all these cra- amazing prints just lying around. Let me introduce you to him and he can put his prints in your frames and maybe you'll sell, sell more frames. Like, just get really creative on all these different ways you can help them and start talking about how you can help their business help their business because you're establishing credibility and rapport, right? And then comes the elevator speech. But the strategy behind it was you went in knowing this strategic partner because that's what it is in the end. You went in knowing what their needs are. You provide areas of opportunity for them to, to, to improve their business. Then when it comes time to saying, and this is what I do, by that point, you've already gained an entry into their their mind, right? They're already thinking in their mind how you can work together. So it's not just a cold, hi, here I am, here's my elevator speech, this is what I do, can we work together? You do your diligence, you do your research before, and you really identify how can I help this person and how can I help their clients? You take it one step further, how can I create value for this business for them with without me being a, attached to it in my product yet right that's i mean that's you know you, you do that and phew, people they're like a puppy they roll over on their on their back you know scratch my belly Shen. i guess this is more of a comment than a question but in my mind i see it as there's a difference in knowing and understanding a lot of theoretical knowledge mm. versus actually embodying the practice. And when it's something that you embody, on an energetic level, it just is. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you have to sell. You don't have to go out and intentionally sell yourself, but it's through the embodiment. Yeah. It's through your own being that people become curious, attracted, mm-hmm. drawn. You know, and I think when you have this question of, well, how, to me, I would ask self, do I embody what it is I'm trying to sell? Yeah. And for me, it's, I've met these teachers, I've had these experiences, and I don't, I don't care about their credentials, I don't care about their, their backgrounds. It's, a, it's an energetic transmission that's received, mm-hmm. and that to me is a true embodiment of this, of this yeah. practice that we are, we are looking and striving towards. And so instead of trying to worry about how I'm theoretically going to sell myself, be it, live it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and something else just came, came to my mind, and then... Um, so something else just came to my mind really quick as well. Um, having an elevator speech, though, is like writing down sort of that, I call it a one-sheeter. Just writing down, um, you know, what are your products, um, your positioning, and these things. It is still very, very valuable because what I was just saying applies to if you're in that marketplace, doing business in that marketplace, the face-to-face, right? 
going back to your point earlier, well, what if I want to be nomadic and transient? What if I want to go into other marketplaces, but I don't have the actual opportunity to speak face-to-face -face and to, to share these things, right? Well, then, again, it's reaching out in advance. So I used an example of like an art gallery in Auckland or something um, a little bit ago. So you send an email to the, to, the, to, to the art gallery in Auckland, and you say, hey, you know, my name is da-da-da-da-da. Um, I love your business. I noticed you do X, Y, and Z really, really well. I have these ideas. And you just share the ideas. You, and as a business owner, you receive, like, you receive emails all day long about people who want your money, right? They want, they want your money, want your money, want your money, buy this, sell this, advertise with me, market here, buy my whatevers, buy my turtles, like, um, <laughs> but like, no, really though. But as a business owner, when you get an email, or you just get out of the blue something that says, I respect your business. I can help you in these ways, like, yeah, of course, like as a business owner, sometimes you get jaded and you're like, oh, like, what do you really want? But like, assuming that that's not the case. Um, as a business owner, you get this email and they're not asking for anything. They're just saying, I respect your business and I can potentially help you in these ways and you don't have to do anything. Those are ones that like I, I look into them and I'm like, wow, this is actually maybe some, there's maybe something here. Um, and so then once you begin that dialogue with the business owner, it's just a strategy at the right time in its own pace, right? Like I, I was saying at the very beginning of the speech, at the, of the talk, um, of the conversation, um, in its own time. So if you reach out to a business owner and you say, I'm going to be in Auckland in three months. Um, I love your business. Uh, you know, I thought about this and this for your business. Would you like to meet up and have coffee and talk about it or, or whatever? Put it in your own words. In its own time, then you can get to, and I'm going to be offering these things, I've already done them here, you know, follow, check out my Facebook, check out my content that I've built, um, and then that elevator pitch, or that one-sheeter, that's what you follow with, right? So there is a time and a place for that, absolutely, absolutely. It's just when and how do you tactfully insert it, you know, like, you just, you just gotta, there's, it's finesse, right? Like, that's what business is. It's all finesse. Like, in its time, in its right time, like, yeah, it's totally resonance. Yep. Yes, so, yes, yes. Sorry. No. One no, more I comment. So, in yes. response to Surya's question, um, I always think of elevator speeches as sort of the infomercial. So, when you look at an infomercial when they sell all this crap, the number one thing they focus on is a universal problem. It's a universal pain point. So if you're selling knives, you see all these people who are struggling to cut tomatoes because their knives suck. Oh, and know, everyone like immediately, everyone immediately resonates with that problem because it's a universal pain point. And then, so usually in elevator speeches, to come up front with a universal pain point and say, this is what everyone resonates with, and this is where I come in. I'm the love doctor. I, you know, I provide all this advice so that you can have success in your loving relationships and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And so immediately you gain people's resonance and interest in what you're offering. And that's it. It's really two to three sentences. And then you can go into details about, okay, this, these are, this is kind of how I approach it. This is my story. You know, I failed in all my relationships and I found Tantra and I'm like in ultimate bliss with Gyan. And you can have the same too. <laughs> Really, I mean, it's, it's, um, but people really attach to number one, the common pain point, and number two, a story that actually solves that pain point, a story, uh, like a heroic story. 
So I think to embody that in an elevator speech is what makes it really powerful because it hits directly into the heart and into the emotions. And in my opinion, kind of dovetailing on that, is that's the, why it's important to create content around what you do. And so, yeah, you can tell someone your elevator speech. You can say, I do this, I do this, I've done this, I've done this. But if you have assets, digital assets, especially a website, LinkedIn, Facebook, even you know an Instagram feed, if you have something to point people back to for context, then that elevator pitch becomes just a few sentences. And you know maybe it's the old school tactic of just you know a business card and it has your it has your social media on it. Again, just getting creative, but allowing people to then do their like you you pique their curiosity, right? Like they're like, wow, this person really stood out in my mind, and then they go and they look back. And they look at your history, you know, because everyone's history is on full display these days. Um, you know, with social media and these things, like they go back and they start to view your life story, and they see, wow, this person was teaching here and doing this here and doing this here. That's the elevator pitch. Like the elevator pitch is just, you know, it's it's an entry, it's a gateway, it's just, you know, it's just enough for them to remember you, to make them remember you, and and hopefully they dig deeper, right? And through your follow up. And through how engaging you were, like when you guys first met in that that elevator pitch, if you want to call it, that you know, hopefully they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna like they're gonna remember you, and they're gonna look more and more into you, and then that conversation will just keep coming and keep coming and keep unfolding. Um, okay, slide four. Um, are we wrapped at what six thirty? Seven thirty. Okay. I feel mostly confident we can do that. Um, Okay, cool. And actually, like the slides are going to start going really quick because I'm actually talking about a lot of the things that are in later slides, and so it's going to start moving along uh, rather quickly in terms of getting through slides. So, um, so now we can start to talk about sort of like positioning yourself, creating your 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 unique or your niche angle. So there are three components. Anytime I want to go and present something somewhere, I think of three things. This has been my sort of, this has been my formula, my personal formula for a very long time. It's just recently crystallized and looking back and actually like when I started giving this, 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 the TTC lecture, um, is when I really kind of put these things to paper, so that was really fun. But what I've noticed is if you can figure out a way to differentiate yourself, and this is, this is, this is where it's, it's, it's kind of artful. If you can figure out a way to differentiate yourself within a marketplace, become known as the, the expert, yet still integrate yourself into that marketplace. So, you know, yeah, if you're the expert, but you're so out of the market in terms of what you're doing, you're so radical, yeah, you may attract a couple people, but, you know, you still want to integrate. You still, you still, you don't want to be so radical and different that you alienate yourself and you put yourself on a little island, you know? Um, you need to find that balance between how do I present something that's unique and how do I integrate it? And then finally, you know, around, and it's, it's your custom products. Like, the products that you come up with, do they differentiate themselves enough in the marketplace that people will think that it's a shiny new toy and they want it because it's something new and something different? But does it complement their daily lives? Um, I'll make a really kind of cool example. This is, you know, for me, but this is why I love Agama. Like, why I fell in love with it while I was in Rishikesh is, um, 
I think Agama does this extremely well, and this is what I actually talk about in the, the, the 200 hour TTC, is when I was in Rishikesh, like I said, I started doing Hatha Yoga, um, and I'd never done that before, and where I come from, you know, like, once in a while you'll get someone talking about energies and chakras and sublimation and these things, but it's not the focus. Like, you can go and find that focus, but that's not brought into the, the yoga rooms, really, in, in, in the West. It is a little bit. But when I went to, when I started, you know, studying with Agama and Rishikesh, I started perceiving things inside of me. Like, I started perceiving energies, and I started moving energies, and I started, you know, discovering all these incredible things to complement my yoga practice. And that's what made me love Agama, is because I didn't stop doing the other forms of yoga. I didn't stop going to Ashtanga classes. In fact, I started going to more because what I found was Agama was giving me so much more understanding and awareness of everything else I was doing that it made me want to go back to Agama more, right? And so, like, personally, like, I'm a firm believer that Agama complements whatever you want to go do, whether it's vinyasa. Cool, go do vinyasa. Some teachers might freak out that I say that, but whatever. Um, like, you know, go do whatever you want to do, but, like, that's how Agama is brilliant at differentiating itself. No one teaches this, especially in Kopangan, but like this brilliant, beautiful, like, you know, dialect of Kashmiri Shaivism and, 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 and getting into like hardcore, like authentic Hatha Yoga. Like no one does that, right? So that's what differentiates. It's authentic yogic knowledge. But it can integrate still into the marketplace. It allows people to study and practice and go out in the world and integrate these teachings and these findings out into everyday life, right? And that's the custom product. And so, like, Agama does it inherently really, really well. And I was just lucky enough to, like, you know, perceive that and feel that in Rishikesh. And so it's helped me a lot, like, personally, and sort of how I, you know, am, am, am working with the school and doing things like, you know, inviting other schools to Agama. I don't know if you guys are here for International Yoga Day, but, uh, like, June 21st, I invited Samakaruna and Orion and Gaia to, you know, to teach here. You know, because I thought, like, there's room for everyone. Like, it's complementary. Like, it can all coexist because everyone's so good at what they do. Like, everyone's great at what they do. And so I was like, let's all get together and throw a party. Like, right? <laughs> Just made sense. Um, but, again, when you're getting out into the world and you're starting to position yourself in your products, if you're teaching the tantric feminine, how does it differentiate, you know, how does that product differentiate itself from what's already going on in the marketplace? When you're developing that product, how can you develop it so it integrates into that marketplace? And then, um, basically, uh, fulfills an underserved need. Uh, exactly what, I'm sorry, someone was saying a moment ago, but just about, oh, about the, 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 uh, about the, the, the infomercial. You know, where there's pain and there's suffering and there's, a, there's a need there. You know, in the infomercial they show the, the black and white, you know, uh, video with the, the, the guy like trying to cut a tomato with a baseball bat and it's like, you know, like he's just, you know, can't do it. And then they show like the miracle knife that, you know, cuts it. No, you know, the, the, you know, the underserved need is now met. Like my need to cut a tomato has now been resolved by this incredible knife. Um, so, but again, it's just, again, things to think about when you move forward, right? Um, okay, so this is what I just talked about a moment ago. It's in, it's in your it's in your your papers. You can read it a little bit later. But um, this is just how uh, I feel you can differentiate yourself. Actually, I'll read it really quick because it's important. Um, so, as a gamma therapeutic yoga teachers, um, 
you can differentiate yourself. Agama Therapeutic Yoga allows for traditional, authentic forms of natural healing and will allow you, as a therapeutic yoga teacher, to stand apart in a marketplace saturated with A, a Western mentality to throw pills at a problem, uh, and B, yoga teachers who lead classes that typically only address the physical aspects of a practice. Right? Like, that's pretty powerful. Like, that's how you can differentiate yourself. You're providing something that isn't quite there in the West. And I've been thinking about this lecture, actually, for like the last, like, six, nine months, actually. Like, this lecture right now, um, I think, you know, everything that Agama teaches is brilliant, in my opinion. But the, the therapeutic yoga program here is it's the fucking best. Like, anywhere in the world, like, what this, this program here is amazing. And you guys literally are, like, learning something that I think about, like, if I was to take the TYTTC, which I would personally love to, um, hopefully in the next couple of years, you know, I can make that happen. Um, but when I think about, like, what I could take out of the world, and really make a difference and integrate anywhere, it's this. Like, you could, as a therapeutic yoga teacher, you could go to any marketplace that's all vinyasa, right? Um, or all hatha, or all this, or all that. And by transmitting this, this therapeutic yoga angle and this approach, like, people more and more are starting to lean towards, you know, people who are fed up with insurance systems and big pharma and da-da-da, I'm not going to go down that road, but, you know, there's a, there's a need, there's a, there's a, there's a, a thirst, you know, for, for this. Um, and so, you know, you could really go into any marketplace with these tools and differentiate yourself and be that, that shiny new toy. People would be like, wow, there's this therapeutic yoga teacher that actually get, that got their training from, you know, Agama in Thailand. They do some research on the program. They're like, holy smokes, like, this is the person to work with. Like, I feel, you know, of all the programs here, the Tantra program is, is really special too. That's very niche, um, of course. But the therapeutic yoga program, like, you could take that and just, kill it in my, like, <laughs> any, anywhere, I, I feel. Um, so, and then integrating yourself. So if that's how you differentiate yourself, that's your niche, that's your uniqueness um, in terms of a product. Integrating yourself into a marketplace. Agama Therapeutic Yoga supports students and patients that regularly attend other energy-based practices, uh, popular yoga styles, Reiki, uh, with total... Actually, I should say energy and physical-based practices, because also people that regularly regularly attend, you know, vinyasa and more flowy stuff, um, with total natural and holistic healing, allowing you, as a therapeutic yoga teacher, to provide individuals with an enriched overall life experience. Right. So that's taking your uniqueness, applying it to people's everyday lives, and then they can go in the world and you know have lots of fun. Um, and then. Lastly, uh, sort of creating custom products. Upon graduation, um, you guys are getting some really cool tools. Cool tools. Um, and actually, like Maha uh, will speak to this, and, and Surya and Sarah uh, and Gian will speak to this more and more uh, in the next couple weeks. Um, but upon, upon graduation, you're going to be presented with the Agama Teaching Manual, um, as well as the entire 10-week TYTTC course curriculum. Uh, which contains months worth of carefully structured therapeutic yoga classes, clinical research, and biology information. So that's amazing. Like you, you have, you're going to go out into the world with materials that you can already implement and, and, and be successful with. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like you're going to have 10 weeks worth of, of gold in your hands to create movement around. Like that, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, to, to graduate from a program and already have tools in the tool belt that you can immediately apply, like, that's for the elevator speech, you know? Like, I just graduated from this program, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. 
Um, you know, and then you invite them to a practice or something. You roll out your mat. You say, hey, can I come by your, your, you know, your business? Uh, and I would love to show you what I learned. You know, let's, are you into yoga? Cool. Let's do, if it's a doctor. Um, and I know this is like super, you know, hypothetical, but if you're, you know, if you're talking to a doctor, it's like, are you into yoga? Cool. Like, let me come by, roll out the mat. Like, you know, I don't know if this would really happen. Um, but, you know, walk them through a practice. Show them. You know, show them what you got. It doesn't matter if you've been a yoga teacher for 20 years or if it's the first class you've ever taught. When you roll out your mat and you demonstrate your abilities in that moment, all of that other stuff doesn't matter. Like when I was in the restaurant industry, I've used this example before in another lecture, um, but, uh, you know, when I was in the restaurant industry, when you hire, when we would hire a new chef, it doesn't matter if you went to culinary school. It doesn't matter if you went to college. It doesn't matter if you've been a chef for 20 years. It doesn't matter if that's your first day holding a knife. All that matters is you give them a chance for that night, right? Um, you say, okay, work with us. You see how they do. You see how they perform. Based upon their performance that night, you hire them or you don't. doesn't matter if they went to school. doesn't matter anything. It's what they do in that moment. And the reason why I bring this up is, you know, this is a question I got in a previous lecture about, you know, the 200-hour TTC graduates. They're like, well, if I haven't been teaching for a long time, how do I go and, you know, start working at a studio for the first time? And that's how. You just roll out your mat and you just practice. You do a practice. You show them what you got. And in that moment, none of that other stuff matters. What matters is that moment right there. Um, and so, again, like when you graduate this program, you're going to have those materials to go be successful. And then, you know, if you continue on and do the 150 hours here, uh, and I'm not like plugging or trying to sell it or anything, but like I'm just like, you know, uh, options. If you did the 150-hour continued program here, uh, great, you'll get more tools. Um, be mindful if you go somewhere else and you want to continue on to get your 800-hour certificate. Um, you know, wherever you decide to go do your next 150 hours and the 35-hour specialty, are you getting tools? Like, qualify them first. Interview them. Like, are you getting the tools necessary in those areas or in those arenas, in those situations? Are you getting those tools that are going to allow you to go out and be successful, right? So, things to be mindful of. Uh, thinking about your target audience. So, again, a bit earlier I used the example of uh, uh, youth, children, right? Maybe you, uh, when you get quiet and you do your visioning, you have this idea or you have this, this, this feeling, this emotional inclination uh, or resonance with, with, with providing, you know, therapeutic, uh, services, um, therapeutic yoga services, um, to, to you. Wonderful. Um, that's your niche. Again, like, distill it down to a, a, a specific market if you can, or if the world is your marketplace, great. That's, that's good too, but you're specific about that. And then your target audience, and then your product. Those three things added together equals how you're going to present yourself, how you're going to move forward in the world um, most effectively right out of the gate. Uh, things to think about when, when thinking about your target audience, age, income, spending habits, personality, values, opinions, attitudes, interests, and lifestyles. Ultimately, that's also going to help you price your products by knowing all of those things. Um, you'll know if you're priced in the market. You'll know if you're priced appropriately for um, uh, you know, the income level of the neighborhood. Um, you know, these things, we'll talk about pricing here in a moment. But, yeah, just defining your target audience. Again, it's just getting crystal clear at the beginning. What's the minimum thing that I can do to have the maximum effect? And what I've found is 
focusing on one small little segment of the consumer, of the marketplace, even if it's as specific, if, if you're doing the tantric feminine, like a, a target consumer, you know, even if it's women 18 to 25, cool, that doesn't mean, you don't have to alienate, you don't have to like put on your website 18 to 25, or dead, and I'm just using a hypothetical example, of course, but it just gives you an idea on where to go from the start and to put all of your energy and resources and, you know, your time and your money into just focusing on that. Of course, other people will be attracted to it as well, right? Um, but just trying to be as focused on your, your ideal consumer as possible. Um, again, the marketplace. So marketplace is where you do business. Uh, what we were actually just talking about a moment ago, do you, do you envision being a local or a global brand? Uh, what I was just speaking about in, in Copangan, uh, is your market an emerging market? Is it blowing up, right? There's tremendous opportunities in entering an emerging market at the beginning, um, because if you define yourself, like if you, if you, if, you know, if you go online and you research like 10, uh, emerging, uh, spiritual markets globally, you know, if, if you do this research and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go into this market here, what, you know, number three out of 10, I'm going to go into that market and position myself as the thought leader of this specific niche product, Tantric Feminine. The cool thing about doing that is by, it's, it's, it's like a saying, like when you clear the path, you can determine where it leads, right? So if you go into that marketplace, you do your research, you go into that emerging market and you dominate that niche and you become known as the thought leader, you're going to help shape and define that market. I mean, it's what Agama did for Streets and New. I mean, there's no denying that at all. Um, and it's still an emerging market, right? So there are certain things that you have to be mindful of because of that. Uh, studying the competition, uh, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's your, you know, that's, that's your target. That's almost your model on what to do and what not to do. What do they do well? What do they, uh, not do well that you can do better, right? Um, what's their niche? What's your niche? Are they complementary? Can you guys coexist? Can you guys be friends in the same marketplace, right? Like for me, like I, you know, I, the, the owners of Gaia, the owners of Orion, like they're, or I don't know the owners of Orion, but the manager over there, like they're awesome people. Like I talk to them often, right? Like, cause I think that there's this wonderful synergy in, in Streets and New right now. Um, and when you start thinking about like the marketplace is promoting the marketplace and helping the whole marketplace grow. It's the other saying, like all the ships rise with the tide and rise with the tide in the harbor, right? Like if you're looking out for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you start incorporating others and start thinking about entering a marketplace and reaching out to certain partners, a lot of beautiful things happen. Everyone starts working together. The whole marketplace becomes known as a, a, a special destination. But not only that, you can monetize those things too, right? You can reach out to the other yoga studio that, that teaches a different style. You can say, hey, let's get together and let's throw an event, right? Let's, let's do a Saturday and Sunday event down in the park. Where we, you know, we'll have music and we'll da 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 da. You can go in a hundred different ways with that, but that's a way of making money for yourself, right? You partner with someone else who provides something complementary to what you're doing. You get together, and you have an event. It's one of the revenue streams I talk about here in a moment. Um, but that's studying the competition. When you start to kind of transition in your mind from thinking about the competition as the bad guys, and you start to think, well, maybe they're actually you know, maybe there's something there. Maybe there's something to work with. Maybe we can all coexist and not only coexist, but flourish together. You know, just that shift in mindset, like it can, it can, you know, have tremendous results. Um, and then choosing an appropriate venue. Again, just like th that's where you're going to do business. So 
Um, you know, if you're going to create your own practice, like finding your own, you know, location, 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 like finding a place that's high traffic area, this thing. Um, but then if you're going to be giving, uh, you know, guest drop-in classes in certain places, just choosing, you know, doing your research on where you're going to be giving classes, where you're going to be providing your services. If you've clearly defined or mostly defined your brand and sort of your, again, your personal value proposition, you'll know that if the place you're looking at is right. You'll know if it's in line with your with your product, right? If it's going to be engaging, the right size. Does it smell funny? Like, you know, is it? You know, are there bullets coming through the window? Like, I, I don't know. Um, so, okay. So, set, setting your price. Um, again, like I was saying at the beginning, this gets really sort of difficult. I know for me, it was it was really difficult when I was especially first starting out as sort of on my on my own. Uh, with, with ventures, it's like, how do you put a value on your time and, you know, uh, your, your, your product, um, and, and all of these things? And, um, I'm not really in this talk gonna get, like, into the, am I worth it sort of thing. Um, but what I'll talk about is just the pure functionality of price setting in terms of, uh, kind of like hardcore, you know, business. Um, so, take a look at the things I just talked about, right? Look at the market. Um, look at the comparables. What will the market bear? Right now in Street to New, drop-in yoga classes are anywhere from 250 to 450 baht, 100 baht, um, per, per drop-in class, right? So when I'm pricing Agama's uh, uh, drop-in yoga classes, I look at the comparables. I know the market will bear 450, barely. I know 250, I feel, is undervaluing what we do, so I go right in the middle. We have 300 drop-in class, right? Um, audience. Uh, you know, the psychographics. So you have demographics and psychographics, right? Demographics are more hardcore data. How many, you know, how many, what percentage are men? What percentage are female? Uh, what percentage, you know, ha owns a car? These things. Psychographics are more of the personal aspects. Um, uh, you know, what are their spending habits? Uh, what do they, where do they typically like to go eat? What do they typically wear? What do they listen to? What are they, you know, what are they culturally inclined to, to associate themselves with? Like, thinking about your, your, your audience in terms of the, the psychographics is very important because that'll give you an, a gauge on, you know, what they're willing to spend. If you go into a marketplace, and I'm not, saying anything bad about, you know, California, it's just a, an example, but like if you go into say like Beverly Hills or something in, or Hollywood in California, you know the spending habits, you get an idea of the spending habits in that marketplace. So you can maybe, you know, raise your prices a little bit more, um, but if you go into a marketplace that doesn't quite have um, that dynamic, then you know you have to price, you know, a little bit, a little bit lower. Um, and then the uniqueness of your product, typically, um, not as an absolute rule, but as long as, like I was saying before, as long as you don't differentiate yourself so much that you're out on this, like, you know, island, um, and you're so radical that, like, you're freaking people out, like, <laughs> when, when you're just unique enough where people are like, wow, what's this? This new shiny thing. You can sometimes charge a little bit more for it, right? Because it's something new. It's something different. It's something niche. It's something unique. It's something wow. Um, and, you know, taking all of these other things in, into consideration, the uniqueness of your product can help define the price for it. Um, and then, of course, this is the most, well, aside from, you know, personal things, like I said, that I don't really want to get into in this talk in the moment, 
Um, but your personal operating costs plus your margin. Business 101, like setting your prices. Okay, like, you know, if you, if you know that you're going to go into Auckland and you're going to operate this, this, you know, you're going to give a, you're going to give a workshop in this art studio and they charge $500, uh, a day, right? So you know you have to cover that. So what are your operating costs? Um, what does it take? You know, what, what are you going to pay yourself? What are you going to pay, uh, your assistant? How much is it going to cost for marketing? Um, you know, are you going to provide bottles of water? Uh, you know, you have to take into consideration what are your operating costs plus your margin, which is your personal profit. So after you pay all of your costs, what's left over for you to do it again, right? Because ideally you're putting all of your, your profits back into your company so you can do it again, but a little bit bigger, right? Um, so that is really like, you know, what the core of pricing is you've got to cover your costs. You gotta have a little bit left over in the end so you can grow your business. Um, and, you know, all of those things added together, uh, it's not an exact formula or anything. I didn't, you know, grab it from a Harvard textbook. It's just the things that I have used. It's the metrics that I've used when I'm trying to figure out what am I gonna charge for this thing. And it's a purely product tangible aspect of finding the price. It's not necessarily valuing yourself personally and when you can start to make that detachment I found it gets a little bit easier um, you know what am I worth personally versus what's the just what's the data you know when you when you come with the data then when you give that proposal to that person that reached out to you because they heard you're the best at what you do so you write them a proposal when you come to them with data backing up what you're asking you know what what you're gonna charge them for your service or what you know what kind of deal you want to make it's that much easier because you know it's backed up by actual raw data so, good. Okay. Um, so, all right, we're actually getting pretty close here. So, uh, marketing strategy. So, when you're creating a marketing strategy um, for your efforts, there's certain things that I found that I always sort of use uh, to. Again, I just spoke about metrics. So, these are kind of metrics to track and measure my success, my growth, and my engagement, right? So uh, sort of the five things that I always think about, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm building a marketing strategy um, or I'm thinking about introducing something new into something, you know, to a new group of people. Um, one of the things I want to raise brand awareness. Uh, I want to drive traffic in certain areas. Obviously drive sales. I want to grow my network, my database, and, uh, oh, they're all number one. Look at that. Uh, and then I want to engage my network, right? And so there's different ways of doing each of those things. Raising brand awareness. Um, establishing yourself as a leader in the worldwide yoga and healing communities. Um, so that's just efforts in reaching out to, you know, reaching out to, to various people and just, you know, having those conversations, uh, like the elevator, you know, uh, the elevator pitch, or just, you know, sharing your passion with people, starting to raise that brand awareness. Again, at the beginning, we talked about the brand. Is that you, or is it your product, or is it a combination of both? And so the more you start to establish yourself, the more you start to speak passionately, the more emails you send, the more, um, you know, the more efforts that you do uh, to establish yourself as, as a thought leader, the more, the more brand awareness you're going to start ga gaining, right? Driving traffic. So in all of your efforts, are people coming back to your website 
um, are people coming actually into your physical location. And so all of these things, again, they're, they're in your, your papers. And also, uh, as I said, I've put together a, a marketing kit that you guys will all have access to. It's a digital marketing kit. And it's, there's so much amazing stuff in there for you guys. But I, I have, I have social media strategies and newsletter strategies and actual checklists about how do you, you know, tick these things off. And so, you know, I'm just going to touch on them briefly here, but you'll have access to that kit and me. So again, if you have, you know, if you have questions and things about this, about the specifics of it and moving forward, like, you know, it's, that's what I do. Like, I, I'm here to help. So, um, okay. So another goal is driving sales. Um, your courses, workshops, and retreats. Are all of your marketing efforts, is it a sales-driven marketing offensive? Or is it a marketing to raise brand awareness? They can be the same things, but if you're engaged in a sales-driven marketing offensive, you know, it could be, um, you know, you do an, you do a, a marketing contest, you do an Instagram contest where every person that, you know, likes your Instagram, um, you know, you're driving them back to your website to buy mala beads or something. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, there's different ways of, 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 of creating marketing, uh, marketing strategies. And it's just thinking in your mind, what am I trying to achieve? Am I trying to raise brand awareness or am I trying to, you know, drive direct sales? Um, growing your network, your database, this one is very, very important. Um, in, you know, in my experience, your database, that's your email list, essentially. Um, you know, those are the people that you can send uh, newsletters to and these things. Keeping in contact, if you're moving around the world, you know, if you're teaching somewhere for six months and that whole time you're there, you're building your network, you're building your network, you're building your email list. When you start traveling for the next six months and you start sending uh, emails, you start sending newsletters regularly, you know, maybe every month, updating people on what you're doing, you know, the more people you have in your network, um, in your database, you know, the more people are going to know what you're doing and the more people are, that are likely to follow you. So again, just things to be, you know, mindful of. And I go into a bit more detail of this written out in the, 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 the strategy that I wrote. Yeah. Just with these emails, I get extremely annoyed by these tons of emails that I receive from, but they're also friends, but they're yeah. writing out like every month, like in, like a newsletter. I never read them. I wish I would just to, you know, take mm -hmm. them off from my email list, but I don't because, you know, just to support them as well in a certain way. Yeah. But I personally, that's why I'm hesitating usually to write newsletters. I write maybe one newsletter a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all I do because I also don't want to bother them, you know, with so much. Do people actually really read them? Are they mm -hmm. really interested, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, and especially, like, as more and more people decide to go out on their own and create their own personal brand and, you know, everyone wants to, to market themselves through newsletters and these things. It's, it's a balance and it's a very delicate balance. Like, are you bombarding your, your database with lots of emails all the time? Or every like one or two months or every once in a while, is it just a short little, um, something saying, Hey, I'm going to be in Bali this weekend doing this workshop. And it's literally just like a, you know, a couple sentences. It's just you thinking about it in your mind, like, Again, studying the marketplace is, are you still relevant? Is your outreach still relevant? With MailChimp and some of these other, um, you know, uh, um, newsletter, uh, platforms, you can track the click-throughs, the open rates, the, you can track all of this stuff, right? And so you can constantly be asking yourself, are my outreach efforts still relevant? Are they engaging? And if not, rethink about it, right? Re rethink it. 
you know, um, I'm a big fan of like less is more. And so, you know, if I was sending out emails, I would just, you know, once in a great while send out, um, you know, for my personal thing, you know, once in a great while, if I was doing something huge and monumental, um, I would be like, oh, I'm going to be in Bali giving this workshop. A couple sentences, done, right? Start going into, you know, oh, I got my cat this new food, and I'm doing this next week, and all this. Like, then, yeah, like people, you know, when people open something and they see something this big, you know, the next time they get something from you, or the next time you get something from them, I should say, like, if you open an email and it's just, you know, draws on and on and on, you're like, okay, and you read it for a second, but then, you know, you just got your cat that really good new food, and so you're like, okay, I gotta go feed my cat, like, you know, the next time you get that email from the same person, delete, probably, right? And so, again, it's just thinking. Like, you got to constantly, like, they're, and that's why I'm saying, like, all these things that I speak about, they're not rules. They're suggestions and things to think about as you're moving. Like, always being agile, right? Like, thinking, and what I, and, and what I do, and, is what I'm doing still relevant? Is it engaging? Is it working? Is it not working? Um, and then engaging your network. Uh, this one is very, very, very important, and this is how, like, this is how you maintain sort of that, that credibility, and you maintain that, that interest uh, from your consumers in what you're doing. Um, so, you know, everyone can probably think about someone who does it really well, who engages their network constantly, right? So maybe through social media, or through uh, giving uh, free lectures, like free Q&As, right? Um, doing free events in the community, engaging your network doesn't necessarily have to mean online. Your network is your strategic partners in the marketplace, right? So you can think about the people who are always out hustling, right? Engaging, 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 engaging. You know, if, if, if you know, you're always out engaging your network constantly, 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 when you send that newsletter, we'll use the newsletter as the example because it, yeah, I mean, it, it can... Uh, definitely kind of fall on deaf ears and, and be overlooked in a lot of instances. Um, if you're constantly out engaging, 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 and then once in a while you send out a newsletter and it's just going to be in Bali, right? Like, you know, that may gain a little bit more interest, a little bit more of a response than, you know, constant bombardment with brrrr. So, something to think about. <laughs> Uh, and this is what I was just saying. Per, uh, so in the digital age, personal interaction is still the most effective. Uh, this is, you know, so important. Uh, at, at the beginning of the, the, the conversation, I was saying how strategic partnerships, in my opinion, is the most valuable thing you can do. Uh, it doesn't cost, it potentially doesn't cost any money if you do it right. It's a way of partnering with other people to gain exposure into their audience, right? Um, so complimentary individuals and businesses that you can engage in cross-promotion with, thus gaining exposure into their sphere of influence, right? Um, so for you guys, of course. Um, and as the, the course continues to go on, um, you know, I'm sure you guys will have more and more conversations around this, but, you know, working with doctors, working with nurses, uh, clothing manufacturers, nutritionists, like thinking about all the people that you can work with when you start getting out into the world, um, all the people that you can work with. And so it's, it's, it's sort of like molecules, right? Like atoms out there floating around in the world and the atoms that start to, you know, connect to other atoms and start gaining mass, right? Those are the ones that are going to start becoming something, right? And so it's really difficult when you go at it alone. But when you start to, to position yourself and when you start to, 
to work with complementary individuals. You start building something that's, you know, one plus one equals three. You can start building something that is, is greater than the, the sum of its parts, right? Um, just a quick example about something that we did here at Agama. Uh, this is like, we were re, we were redoing the restaurant, uh, like six, seven months ago now, I think it was. And this is when I kind of was first at the school. And there was the chocolate house um, here in, in, in Kopangan, like it was over on Beach Road. And, uh, you know, people like freaked out about their chocolate if you guys weren't here for it. Like, it's a shame because it was literally the best chocolate I've ever had in my life. Um, but I was trying to think of a way like, okay, how can I expand a gamma into some new audiences, right? So I was just being creative. I was like, you know, how can I get us out there? And I knew I loved the chocolate. And also, it just so happened to be at a time where we were renovating the restaurant, we were changing it, and I needed a cooler. Um, I needed a, a dessert cooler. And to try to get a dessert cooler in Copangan is, it's impossible. Like, I spent literally months, like, you know, going to, to, to Kosamui and talking to people in Sertani, and just, I couldn't find a freaking dessert cooler to save my life. Well, in talking to the, the chocolate house, uh, just in, you know, engaging my network, engaging the people out there, they were like, oh, well, we're actually going to be going out of business soon. We want to go and start traveling the world. And I asked them, I was like, well, and they had their perfect dessert cooler, like right there. You walked up to it every day and gave them money for chocolate. I did at least, like almost every day. Um, and I, I was like, this is like the perfect cooler. Can I have this? You know, I want to buy this from you. And they're like, sure, you can buy it from us. But it was stacked full of chocolate. And they're like, but you can't have it until we sell out of our chocolate. Um, and I was like, well, what if I just buy all your chocolate from you? And they're like, that would be amazing because we can leave quicker, right? So again, it was in this conversation of like, you know, talking to them. There wasn't necessarily an elevator speech, but it was in, you know, an elevator pitch, but it was in, in, in talking to them, identifying what their problems were. They wanted to leave the island like quick, 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 but they had like two months, two or three months worth of inventory to blow through at the rate in which they were selling it before they could achieve their goal of leaving. Well, I come in and I'm like, let me just buy all your chocolate. And they said, okay. So literally the next day I went over and we did a deal. I bought their cooler, bought all their chocolate, put the cooler in the restaurant, and the next day the chocolate house put a sign up on their door that said, closed, go to Agama for chocolate. Literally the next day we had a line of people for probably like a month or two. You know, it wasn't a, a line per se, but like, you know, for a couple of months until the chocolate ran out, like, Agama, like our market awareness at least of the new restaurant. So if we take Agama out of the equation, but just the new restaurant that we were building, you know, we changed it. It used to be called Soma. Um, I rebranded it and called it Evolution Yogi Cafe. Like overnight, I was able to raise brand awareness just by doing a, you know, and that one did cost money, um, but it doesn't have to. Um, but that was just an instance of working with a strategic partner. Now the chocolate house who has tremendous market credibility in Copangan, everyone loves them. They say, we're going out of business. Go see our friends at Agama because they have all of our chocolate. Now, people who might have been on the fence or heard some like freaky shit about Agama or whatever, like in the market, um, they're like, "Wow, well, okay, chocolate. You know, I love the chocolate house, and now the you know the chocolate's at Agama. I'm going to go to Agama. Oh wow, there's this new restaurant. Oh wow, look at the board. Look at these events that they have going on. Huh? 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 Oh, this is new. This is different, right? And so it's just you know that's that's just an example." of just the power of, of strategic, you know, strategic partnerships. And again, like I didn't partner with somebody who I felt was not in line with Agama's value proposition, like a true spiritual university. Like, you know, 
bringing you know organic, beautiful chocolate into a, you know a, a, a true spiritual university. It, it made perfect sense to me, right? Like I didn't I didn't undermine our ethics or values or morals by doing that partnership. It had tremendous results. So again, so when you reach out to doctors, nurses, whatever you can think about, chiropractors, um, you know, da 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 da, think about ways that you can add value to each other, right? I provided value to them because they wanted to get out of the island, you know, or not I, but like a gamma we, like it was, a, everything's always, you know, been a team effort, which is amazing, but like, you know, we provided value to them by helping them achieve the next stage in their life. They provided value to us by giving us lots of chocolate, which is brilliant, and, and a cooler. It's so funny, because then it was, I was just so excited about the chocolate, I forgot that like, I actually just brought this cooler in that was like what I was trying to do the whole time anyways. Um, but, so again, content, um, I won't get too deep into this right now, um, but uh, just again, the importance of always producing content like in what you're doing. Um, uh, you know, just content, 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 because then again, you know, that elevator pitch or that just brief interaction if you have, again, with your marketing, if you're trying to drive traffic back to your social media properties, right, your Facebook, your Instagram, your LinkedIn, these things, um, you know, just making sure that it's documenting and chronicling what you do. And that's a really good way of marketing and branding yourself without really putting yourself out there, right? Like, not selling yourself and, and, and really selling yourself. Like, if you're just documenting what you do, People can go and get inspired and see that. And then it's not being like, this is how great I am. Like, you don't have to make comments like, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Like, if you're just documenting your actions, then that in and of itself is content marketing. People go back and look at that. You're demonstrating your credibility and you're gaining rapport, right? And you're lowering that barrier of entry, like I was saying earlier, about relatability, right? Um, so, yeah. Please, please, please. So unless someone is as passionate and um, enthusiastic about marketing, for the rest of us, it's work to do yeah. all of this. Yeah. You know, besides the work that we actually do, of besides course. the business of teaching yoga and having a yoga studio and so on, would you actually recommend to get someone and pay them for it, which is additional money again? Mm -hmm. Again, when you're setting your prices, operating costs plus margin, right? And so if... It depends on how valuable these things are to you. Like I said, they're all just suggestions. And so if having a, a really robust social media program is important and valuable to you, then it's going to be in your best interest and you will feel comfortable, potentially feel more comfortable in hiring that social media manager because you know they know what they're doing, right? And then in the conversation that you have with this individual, you can say, you know, these are my colors, this is my logo, this is the look, this is the feel. And then you just hand them content and they post it on a regular schedule, right? So it's outsourcing these things. Um, and again, like, it, it's, it's easy, it's, it's, it's much, much easier, I should say. Um, you know, with just the, the tools that you have online to, you know, get $5, you know, marketing materials made on, on, on Fiverr, Fiverr these things. Um, and so you can, like, you can focus on just building out your curriculum. Um, but yes, they come at costs. And that's part of being a business owner. That's part of being an independent contractor. That's part of being, that's part of what you're stepping into is, is thinking in your mind. Your cost benefit, right? And that's like, it always boils down to cost benefit. What's the cost? What's the benefit? You know, if you're, 
you know, if you work out a deal with a social media manager where you hire them for three hours a week at $20 an hour, um, right? So that's, you know, 240 bucks a month, let's say. In your monthly operating costs, can you justify spending that $240 a month to get X return? And in qualifying that person properly, are they going to be providing you with tracking, with metrics? How many likes do I have? How many followers do I have? How did I improve? These things, right? So spending that $240 a month, like, okay, that makes sense because it's going to return this. It's a return on investment, right? And so again, if a, if a robust social media program isn't important to you, that's okay. But it's just knowing, like, what's important, what's not. How do you, you know, if social media is like, you know, if it doesn't, you know, if that's not what you're going for, you're going, you just want to be in one, um, you know, let's just say, like, you want to be in one uh, place. You don't want to be transient. You just want to stay in one location. You want to provide a specific product to a specific group of people, and you want to ride that into the sunset. And that's all you want to do. And you want all of your networking and your marketing to be around personal interaction, face-to-face -face interaction. Great. Then a social media program maybe isn't as important, right? Going to the co you know cocktail parties or or uh, you know weekend you know uh, symphony galas or da 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 like going to events that are in line with your target consumer within your marketplace that makes more sense. Am I still relevant? Right. It's just always 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 thinking about is what you're doing in line with your consumers in the marketplace promoting your product. It, are all these things are all these things in line? Right. So again, I, and I know this is a lot of a lot of stuff, but again, it's just it's just you know it's just concepts to be mindful of, to be thinking about, like when you're out in the world, like and it's 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 a lot, it's a puzzle, you know, it's this constant moving puzzle. But when you get really clear on a few things at the very beginning, who are you selling to? Where are you selling? What's your product? And your personal your personal values, like what you stand for. When you're crystal clear on those things, like everything else, when you vision, when you get quiet, when you start visioning in these things, everything else just starts. It starts to make sense. It starts to flow. You know, you know the email you should send. You know you shouldn't be spending money, you know, X amount of dollars with a social media manager because it doesn't really make sense, you know. Or you shouldn't be going to these, you know, private networking events because you want to be traveling the world, and so social media makes all the sense in the world. It just depends, you know. It's just it it it's it's there's no, you know, there's no like magic, you know, all-encompassing rule. Um, yeah, and if you have questions, like in like individual questions, as you guys start, you know, out, getting out there and moving, like ask, you know, let me know. Um, okay, so this is the very last page of your guys's packet, um, but this is just some resources for you guys as well when you start to get out into the world. Um, you'll be able to create. So we just rebuilt the Agama website, and right now we're currently working on the teachers profile section. Uh, we're still working on it a little bit, well, a lot bit actually. Uh, but here in the very, very near future, you're going to actually be able to have user generated. Like you're going to be able to create your own profile on the Agama site and update it and manage it with your schedules, what you're doing in the world, where you are in the world, where you're moving around. So when people come to the Agama site, they can search. You know, say they're in Boulder, Colorado, they can go to the Agama site, find therapeutic yoga teacher near me, and it'll be boop, and it'll show your profile as teaching in in uh, in, in Boulder, Auckland, or wherever, right? Uh, we're working on that functionality right now. It's just super complex. Like the Agama site, the whole program is like it's a proprietary, like built the whole thing from scratch. And so it's just like it's it's an effort, but it's coming very very soon. Like the fact that we 
got a new website up right now, and it's as awesome as it is. It's like so cool. So we're getting there. We're getting there. I promise. Uh, Yoga Trail again. You know, you guys can you guys can take a look at these on your own. Uh, Yoga Trail is a great resource. Gets a lot of traffic. These are these are actually platforms that I've researched that get the most traffic for people searching for yoga something. Um, Yoga Go Live. This one is really cool. I just did a partnership with uh, the owner of Yoga Go Live. He's on Copangan. Um, and he builds websites for yoga teachers all over the world. And so right now, in your guys' marketing kit, I put a, um, he, he created a special offer for Agama students, uh, to, to build, you know, a simple website for any of the, the TTC graduates. Um, and so it's yogagolive.com. Uh, if you guys were interested in having a website built for yourself, um, he's, he's great at what he does. He builds everything on WordPress. Um, he's local, so you can have a face-to-face meeting with him. Um, but he's he's awesome guy. Um, book retreats. Uh, that's actually an old Agami uh, who started a a platform called Book Retreats um, that you can create profiles on. Let's Glow Yoga Anonymous. So again, you can check those out at your own in your own time. But those are just some resources that that I've found that you guys can create profiles on that just get you out into the world a little bit more, right? Okay, so we're almost actually finished now. Of course. Oh yeah, face shots and this sort of thing. Uh, do, do you like right like as you're in Copangan? Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk. Um, yeah. Uh, just a photographer, like a local photographer that can um, uh, take a great you know great pictures. Um, the answer like is absolutely. Um, we've got a couple people. Uh, Agama teachers who do that, but then, I mean, my first question though, again, like in the lines of sort of like practicing what I'm preaching here of like strategic partnerships and, um, introducing to other people, like, is anyone here a professional photographer? There you go. Right? So like me, I'm placing myself in the middle of creating value for each of you right now, and so like, I didn't really do anything. I just introduced you guys, but now the next time you need something or you need something, you might come back to me. And so it just helps, like, helps my, helps further my cause, right? That wasn't my intention. But again, I was just demonstrating, like, there you go. I hope you make beautiful, beautiful things together. <laughs> um, and, and also there's amazing photographers at the school and, and, and stuff as well, but I know Shanti is actually an amazing photographer, so. <laughs> um, okay, so, uh, quickly, uh, obviously, um, you know, if, you had the investor lined up, and you had the location, and you knew the marketplace, and da da da. If you had money uh, sitting in the bank, just burning a hole in your pocket, you could open your own therapeutic yoga practice um, and teach, you know, whatever your niche product is. Um, guest teaching uh, therapeutic yoga at another studio, uh, doing drop-ins and this sort of thing. Um, guest teaching. It's just like you know a. a, a, a you know, a 200-hour, a 500-hour vinyasa teacher would do, right? Like, the majority of the people graduating with those certificates, they're going to be dropping in and teaching, you know, at 10 different studios a week, right? So it's the same sort of thing. You can do that, you know, as well. You know, offering a therapeutic yoga uh, class, you know, like some of the buzzwords or keywords right now, like I'm not intimately familiar with your guys' curriculum, um, and so this is just hypothetical, but like, Yin yoga, restorative yoga, these sort of things, like, are very popular right now. Very, very popular. And so if you were developing sort of your practice or your classes around 
some of the, the keywords or some of the things that were popular in the marketplace, right? Like teaching at other studios, like I was saying a moment ago in the, in the conversation, like, you know, you guys, I feel more, a bit more so than some of the other TTC programs have like, you have this thing that's already like popular in the world. So you can, you know, or wanted, I should say, in the world. So you can go out and start teaching in another studio and be relatively successful, potentially, you know, pretty quickly. Um, private sessions, of course. Um, events, okay? So like at existing events, reaching out to an event, if you're, you know, if you know you're going to be in Auckland in six months, you reach, you, you, you do some research and you see that there's this, there's a wanderlust, right? Or there's, uh, you know, some, a spirit fest. They're moving from Bali to Auckland or something. Like you reach out to the event organizers and you say, hey, I looked through all of your, I looked through all of your yoga teachers and there's no one giving a therapeutic yoga class. Here's who I am. Here's what I would love to provide for the festival. You know, could I be a part of it? And you just, you know, it's teaching at an existing event. Um, and again, right now, like I'm not going to get into the specifics of negotiating those things just because we're starting to really run short on time. But if you ever get to the point where that's the case, email me or, I mean, I'm, here all day, every day. Like, if you ever see me around, like, stop me, talk to me. Like, I'll either say, yeah, I have time to talk, or no, I don't. But I'll tell you straight up, like, if I do or I don't. Um, and I would love, like, obviously, as you can tell, like, I love talking about these things. Um, but actually, I'm leaving in two days to go back home for the first time in 15 months since I left for India for a month. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm actually finally going home in a couple days, which is amazing. Um, but one, I'm back. I welcome any anyone to talk at any time. Um, so, uh, creating workshops. So this is kind of in line. You know, if you want to create the you know the, the the tantric feminine workshop, you want to do a weekend workshop, and you want to start doing these workshops. Your your product isn't necessarily yoga classes, but your product is a workshop, and you just want to you know do one weekend workshop a month and focus on that until it starts getting popular. It's a way of you know. Um, uh, establishing a revenue stream, um, joining forces with uh, your strategic partners and creating an event. So again, like you know, if I reached out to the the chocolate factory and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to teach yoga, or I'm going to provide therapeutic yoga, I'm going to provide consultations," um, which is actually a great thing as well. Um, you know, you could build an event with that strategic partner where they do what they do. You do what you do, you come together, and then on a weekend you rent a space, you know, you talk to the municipality, you rent the park, and you're giving a therapeutic yoga class, and they're selling chocolate. You're both promoting it, and it's twice as popular because you have two different, you know, arms reaching out to the world and marketing it. So again, like these are things that, you know, as I say them, they probably make a whole lot of sense, like they're not, you know, crazy far off like ideas, but it's just good to see them because it's like, okay, yeah, like that actually does sound attainable, right? Um, monetizing your blog with a subscri subscription. I'm not going to get into this one too much because we're running pretty short on time, but just be really, really, really careful. And I put this in here because I actually get this question quite a bit, um, is should I charge people to watch my YouTube channel? Uh, should I charge people to read my blog? Um, should I start charging for content? Right? And this is a really important thing because anytime you charge for something, you put up a wall between your consumer and you. And so if you charge for something, just make sure that you have sort of a runway or a ramp um, that incentivizes people to, to, to pay that, right? So maybe it's in the form of giving lots and lots of free content 
and then just the really, really core essence of your teaching, like the really, really good thing, is you, you, you charge, you know, someone slightly to, to, to access or something. Does, it, does that make sense? Like, you just need to be very, very careful about charging before you've established value to compel someone to pay for something. Like, anytime you make someone pay, you put up a wall. So you just need to make sure that you create enough brand awareness, enough, 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 you know, credibility, enough, um, you know, enough want, uh, that you know that if you charge for this, people will, people will, they'll, they'll pay for it, right? Um, you know, that's why it's actually, you know, so if you did an event, let's just say, um, let's say you rented the park, uh, in Tong Salah, but you didn't charge anyone to come to the event, right? You put your resources into it, you put your time and money into it, Chocolate House puts their time and money into it, but, you know, maybe they sell some of their chocolates because they have hard costs in that case, but let's just say you give the event for free, right? But you give every single person at that event a flyer that says, come to my class, which they pay for, right? Let's say you're doing, you know, drop-in yoga classes that, you know, you rent a space, um, and you're doing your own drop-in yoga classes. Well, people came to that for free, so then when it comes time to someone coming to your class and paying, like, they've already got value. They've already received value, right? And then so when it comes time to pay, it's much easier. You've already provided something at no cost to them, right? And so that's just something kind of strategically to think about is when you start charging for something, have you done something in advance of that to create traction or awareness with as little effort as possible and as little commitment as possible by the consumer, right? So giving away something for free is a great way of incentivizing someone to join your whatever it is uh, with little commitment. They join it for free. If they like it, cool. They'll be compelled to come back and, you know, and, and pay you for what you're doing. If they don't like it, then they'll go somewhere else. But that's fine, too, because then they're not wasting your time. You're not wasting their time. Everyone wins. Um, okay, so, and this is actually I'm pretty much wrapped up. So, uh, studying. This is so, so important. Again, like just my personal story, like I've, you know, just studying and just always like absorbing knowledge has just been very, very important for me. Um, and especially like right now in Copangon, like I talk to my, my, uh, my, I have a business, um, sort of mentor back home whom I speak to constantly about things just to keep me sort of calibrated and, and just keep my mind active, you know, cause being on an island for quite a long time, you know, without traveling a whole lot, you can get kind of you know, you can get, I, I can get kind of bogged down a little bit. So it's just really important for me to bounce ideas off of other people, other professionals, right? Keeps you fresh and it keeps your eyes up here. Um, it keeps my, you know, it keeps me, um, thinking what, what else is going on. Uh, following other successful therapeutic yoga practitioners. Um, that's, you know, the best form of, of, of flattery is imitation, right? So if, you know, if you notice something that someone else is doing and they're doing it very well, Cool. Don't like shoplift it and steal it and just put your brand on it. But like, think about how you can integrate some of their successful tactics into what you are trying to achieve. Um, again, like someone I admire, um, I know she's more positioned towards women, but Gabby Bernstein, like, I used this as an example before. I'm not plugging her or anything, but like, I really admire and love her, her honesty and her transparency, right? And so for me personally, like, that's something that resonates with me. So I would want to implement that into my own personal um, efforts, right? My own strategies, like, because I respect that. I see how it, you know, has a return on her success. And so for me, I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And for me, like, you know, uh, I want to, you know, share my pains and my struggles and these things. But that's just my personal, you know, that would be in my personal value proposition. 
Um, so studying what other people do well and seeing if you can em emulate it. Uh, seeing how other centers are positioned in the world, that's more important if you're wanting to open your own center. Um, subscribe to other newsletters um, if they're not too uh, 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 annoying and, and long. And I know newsletters is kind of a, a touchy subject. Um, this one, are you still relevant? I've talked about that a whole lot. I think you understand the importance of always, you know, analyzing what's going on around you. Okay, so this is what um, is in your guys' marketing kit. As it stands now, you'll have access to this. Uh, logos and photos, uh, how you can use the logo in what context, what can you call yourself, how can you use the logo. Like, if you use it on your website, can you call yourself this, can you reference, like, it's, it's, it's all in there. Uh, poster templates, I, I have poster templates, so you guys, it's Illustrator, it's in Adobe Illustrator, but like templates that, you know, it's the Agama templates, but at least it gives you a framework if you want to start building some of your own stuff. Um, digital profiles list and website resource, that's the list that's at the back of your um, handout there. That's also in digital form. Um, so I, I, a whole social media newsletter strategy, like it's just something for you guys to look at, but it's it's really, really well built out. And so if you guys wanted to dive more into social media, take a look at that. It'll give you some really, really cool guidelines to follow. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there as well that was provided by the, the Healing Center from previous um, TYTTCs. Um, harnessing Marketing Research, they're um, audio tutorials. They're these two audio files uh, by a marketing expert who is actually a therapeutic yoga teacher. Um, there's part one and part two, but just listening to those. Like, obviously, I'm not a therapeutic yoga teacher. I just know about business, and yeah, I am an aspiring yogi, but I'm not a therapeutic yoga teacher. And so the things that I'm telling you are more hardcore kind of like business things, these two audio files are really tremendously invaluable because it's it's someone who actually went out and was hustling, trying to network with doctors, trying to network with, you know, trying to position themselves. And he, you know, goes through his struggles and his, you know, and, and you know, so that's a wonderful thing for you guys to listen to. Um, yoga is my health insurance. It's just a handout. Like, it's an example of something that you could give a potential strategic partner that supplements with research, right? If you're going to a doctor and you're saying, I'm giving therapeutic yoga and it helps people, the doctor's going to be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, but if you back up, it helps people with clinical research, they'll take you that much more seriously. So again, it's just knowing how to talk to the people that you're trying to talk to. So, uh, um, and then a brand kit. I actually put a Gamma's brand kit that we made in there as well. So you guys can look at that um, and just sort of think about how I created the branding for Agama, like the current branding. Um, you know, how it, how it was all put together. So when you're creating your own personal brand around either yourself or your products or a combination of the two, um, you sort of know what to follow. Um, and then if you guys are out in the world teaching, uh, access to me. Uh, um, Agama website, linking to your digital assets. So that's um, our Agama site with your profile on it. Um, social media linking, like when you're out in the world, like, we, as a Gamma corporate, you know, if you're out teaching a class somewhere as a therapeutic yoga teacher graduated from a Gamma, you know, we would promote that on our social media. We would say, hey, this is one of our graduates doing this out in the world. Like, you know, we provide that support. We currently do. Um, and then our newsletter linking to your promotional efforts. Um, I speak more to that in the, in the, uh, in the kit. This is it. Um, I mean, just in summary, you know, like you're, this is a big deal. I mean, you're going to enter the world and depending on what you want to do, again, depending on, you know, if you're just doing this for the knowledge or you're doing this because you want to go out and you want to you want to monetize this. You want this investment to return 
something. It doesn't have to be money. Return, uh, you know, this, this, this sense to help people or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to start kind of thinking like a business owner a little bit, right? And so some, a lot of everything I talk to in this, in this talk has been around starting to think about that. Like, you know, your future's in your hands. And so, um, you know, you need to have, and I spoke about, about this a moment ago, but you have to have strict control over your resources, your time and your money. Like, those two things are so, so important. Like, you've got to mind both of those things. That's the main determining factor of the success of your business. I know. <laughs> um, surround yourself with the best people. Uh, the rule of five, this is just kind of a cool uh, thing. Like, you know, there's this saying, I don't know where it came from, but you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Like, I always think about that. I always think about that. Um, I heard that a couple years ago, and that just really, like, oh, wow. You know, like, the five people who are, like, in my tribe, my inner circle, like, you know, are they supporting my value proposition? Are they supporting the direction that I want to go? Or are they detracting it, right? And if they're detracting from it, that doesn't mean it's bad. Um, you know, it could mean that, um, you know. But when I started thinking this way, I was like, wow, like, okay, if I'm the, the, the average of five, like, who, you know, who are those five? Who are those five people? Um, actually, it's four people because you're the fifth, so. Um, and this is just for me personally, but passion is what inspires and leads. Like, that's what just, it's, it's what's always, you know, helped me achieve and attain the things that I've, I've, you know, uh, sort of visioned that I could. Um, and when you're, when you're speaking from passion and speaking from a place of knowing, it's like, you know, what you guys were saying. Like, it just, it bleeds out of you at that point. And people, people are attracted to that. And finally, like, you have gold in your hands, you know, share it, share it with the world, like, this curriculum, like, this teaching, like, the, the therapy program. Like I said, I want to take it, like, out of anything at Agama, like, I want to be, like, sitting, I want to be sitting there, like, listening to this, um, or just listening to the, the program, like, you know, listening about, you know, the, the skeleton and the digestive and this and that, like, that, like, I can't wait to hopefully do that. Um, and just, you know, share it with the world. That's it. <laughs> yes, please. So I have <laughs> several questions. I'll probably just email you, but one I'd like to ask now. Okay. Um, so, like, one thing I've, I've been battling with personally in terms of thinking about marketing myself in business is this thing with, like, okay, yoga therapist, which people don't really know what that is yet in the West, mm -hmm. or, like, coach. And this life coaching, health coaching... Mm -hmm lifestyle management coaching, all that is really blowing up and mm -hmm. really, like, getting a name for itself and people recognize it and go for it. Totally. So I'm curious what you think about either, like, trying to blend those two, like Alexa Owen, therapeutic yoga consultant, lifestyle management coach, or just really... <laughs> so... Or just really... Yeah going for it and going in more of a, a pathway of what you were talking about earlier, which is like really recognizing we're in an emerging market and, and creating the coolness yeah. around being a yoga therapist. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that like, is it casting too wide a net? Yeah. So you just, you know, the answer was in your question whatever her name is, yoga, lifestyle, therapist, life coach. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like, I don't remember what you just said. Like, I can't even tell you what you just said. I just know that it was like 10 things. It's like, okay, that's great, but what do you do? 
right? And so it's like, again, going back to what I was saying about just the minimal viable product. Like, what's the one thing that you can do? Like, a life coach? Like, yeah, that's cool. And that can work. It can absolutely work. You know, but like, what's, what's, what do you do? Like, what's your specialty? Like, if you're a life coach, do you specialize in something, right? Do you have something that you can lead with as a life coach that if someone is standing there and they have two options in front of them, they have life coach and they have life coach that specializes in X. Like, you know, that might resonate with them more than someone that just, you know, kind of does it all. Um, and so it's just, you know, I just, I just find like, again, just like when you're first starting out especially, it's just, it, you gain, you're more effective, I've found, if you just focus on one thing and do that really well instead of trying to cast a wide net. Again, that's just my own experience, you know, but when you're starting out, because then you can start to gain awareness and traction and people start to get to know you and believe in you because they know you know what you're talking about. And then when you say, and then you open it up and you're like, okay, like I'm, you know, I'm expanding sort of my, my reach. People believe in those other things that you're going to expand into because they know that, they know you know what you're talking about. So I know that's like a really general answer, but you know, it's just, for me, I've just found that like as being distilled down as possible is going to, it's going to create the less amount of confusion and it's going to, it's going to elicit the most clarity within all the consumers on what you do. And, you know, you might, out of 100, you might only attract four. But for those four, you can charge potentially a premium for your services because you do this, but you're the best at it, right? Your product is unique. Um, you've qualified those metrics in pricing. Like, instead of, you know, being very broad and maybe not charging as much, you can be very specific. You know, it's like a doctor. Like, you go and see a specialist. You know, there's the family doctor, which is great, you know, and there's this, the specialist. Typically, you're paying more for the specialist because they're a specialist, right? And so, it's just sort of this, this, you know, how you want to position yourself. Um, that, does that? Yeah, thank you so much. And I just want to say overall, thank you for, like, coming tonight and doing this. Because huh. yeah. it's, I found it so um, inspiring and helpful and just, yeah, thank you. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Shanti, did you have... And then, actually, again, are we, are we, like, wrapped up? Do we have a few moments if anyone else has? Like... Okay. Cool. I know that I have to meet someone in ten minutes to go to my next thing for the evening. And so... Okay. Okay, so if there's any burning desires... Uh, I'm going to try to make that available like in the next day or two. I just got to figure out how to do that because I built it. Now I just got to figure out how I can share it, like where it's not on Google Drive, where I can actually like do a WeTransfer or Dropbox. I'll create some, I'll, I'll figure it out. I have two we, days we before talk, I leave to go. We can talk later. We can talk later. What's that? Okay, cool. We, we can talk later. Brilliant. Um, okay, guys, thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.